106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, you are aware that in 2014, during the Obama administration, the first anti-corruption investigation partnered between the U.S., the U.K., and Ukraine was into the owner of the company Burisma. I, I'm aware of it now. And Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, you testified that you were aware that Burisma had questionable business dealings. That's part of its track record. That is correct. You also testified that regarding Burisma, money laundering, tax evasion comports with your understanding of how business is done in Ukraine. Is that correct? I'm not aware of specific incidents, but I, my understanding is that it would not uh, be out of the out of the realm of the possible for Burisma. Well, that's page 207 from your testimony, but I'll move on. You are aware that Hunter Biden did sit on the board of Burisma at this time. I am. Well, I know, I know that my constituents in New York 21 have many concerns about the fact that Hunter Biden, the son of the vice president, sat on the board of a corrupt company like Burisma. The Obama administration, State Department, was also concerned, and yet Adam Schiff refuses to allow this committee to call Hunter Biden despite our requests. Every witness who has testified and has been asked this has answered yes. Do you agree that Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma has the potential for the appearance of a conflict of interest? Certainly the potential, yes. Well. Colin Kaepernick proves once and for all he is a fraud this weekend, and the NFL proves again that they are virtue signaling suckers. After three years of whining about being cut from NFL teams and suing the NFL for collusion against him, Kaepernick finally got the opportunity of a lifetime that thousands of athletes dream about but few actually achieve, the chance to work out in front of 20 NFL teams. And then Colin Kaepernick botched it up by being a diva. Because Kaepernick does not actually care about NFL football, he only cares about exploiting the NFL to build him a resistance soapbox. I mean, you want to talk about discrimination and privilege? This is a guy who claims he is underprivileged, who went to a private school, was adopted by an upper middle class family, who went to college on scholarship to play sports, earned millions of dollars in the NFL playing professional football, and scored a coveted Nike ad campaign after he disrespected the men and women who come home draped in the American flag by kneeling against the flag during the national anthem. And now this. Again, talk about privileged. What other player gets a mid-season workout, just him, nobody else, with 20 NFL teams who agree to come watch him? after he's arguably cost the NFL millions and millions and millions of dollars with his national anthem kneeling that upset fans and drove many patriotic Americans away from watching football. This guy. This guy got a private workout showcase for NFL teams. And then, three hours before the workout, he changed the location. The Falcon Stadium wasn't good enough anymore. He moved the workout to a high school 60 miles away. He wouldn't sign a waiver that said if he gets injured in this practice, the NFL doesn't have to pay him workers' comp for life. The NFL was going to tape the workout and give him the tapes, but nope. Kaepernick wanted his own camera, maybe for a new Nike commercial. He wanted his own receivers, too. And instead of normal workout clothes, Kaepernick wore a politically charged T-shirt bearing the name of a fictional character who was a slave who was tortured because he refused to acquiesce to the demands of his masters. Do you get the correlation? Of all the insulting, despicable, false accusations to paint himself as a victim equal to a slave and the NFL as slaveholders? 
But hold your sympathy for the NFL. This is what happens when you make exceptions for whiners when you reward whiners. So let's get one thing straight tonight. If Colin Kaepernick wanted to play in the NFL, he would have played football this weekend. But instead, Kaepernick chose to be woke. How do you do? This is Lou Benninger at the No Hostages Radio bro- uh, broadcast, podcast, all of the above. We're happy you're here today, and I hope you are not too sleepy from loading up on all those chemicals that they say that turkey has in it. It says that turkey, not like hormones and stuff, but just like there's something in the meat of a turkey that helps you take a snooze. And I need that almost every night so I could eat turkey, turkey every which way. Roasted turkey, turkey sandwiches, turkey, turkey, turkey. I like turkey, cranberry, all the fixings, just like the whole, the whole Marianne, the whole holiday. So I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. This is the 35th broadcast of No Hostages Radio, and this is a November 30, 2009 broadcast. So I hope you're doing good. And if you're not doing so good, I hope you're doing better by the time I uh, leave you. And um, let's see if I got all my ducks in a row and I'm missing some. Here we go. All right. So um, I had some leftover stuff that I wanted to bring over from last Saturday that's not dated, but it's good. So we'll talk about some of that. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me during the week or today, we're on every Saturday. We come up with a new show. I'm I'm here courtesy of a young father and husband and great guy Tanner Martis down in Texas, and he's uh, he helps me with all the technology. I do the, the the easy part for me. He does the hard part for me. So I'm really appreciated appreciative of him he used to live up here for a while helping with a project called tread which is a traveling troop of uh, christian ladies and gentlemen that travel all over the world a lot of it is over in europe and uh, they do dance drum all kinds of stuff they they do a demonstration out on the streets and then they pray for people and help people come to know jesus all kinds of folks so anyway, Tanner is down in Texas taking care of this, and we appreciate him. And if you want to reach me, as I started to mention, uh, there's a number of easy ways. Certainly email. <clears throat> it's Lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com, Lou at nohostagesradio.com, or my phone number, 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838. That's a, that's a phone a cell phone, mobile phone. You can text it. You can call it. You can do what you want. And uh, so I should be able to get back to you in those in those manners. Um, all right. Let me look at something here, and then we will get going. So 
Uh, not sure how you arrived over at this podcast because we're located at a couple spots. Uh, so you may have a favorite podcast source that you just stumbled across this or maybe a friend told you about this. There is also a website called NoHostagesRadio.com. And that uh, website has all of the podcasts from the beginning, 1 through 35, as well as two um, two articles per week that I write for a local weekly newspaper here called the Territorial Dispatch. And when I say here, I'm talking about in Yuba County, California. It's up in the Northern California. And it's rural up here, and it's nice, and a lot of good people up here, more relaxing up here, less people, more things, more creatures, more acreage per person. So we broadcast up here. Some people like to refer to this area of California as the state of Jefferson. They pray that it will be that one day. You can look that up as well. There's a movement to uh, split the state into two states, state of Jefferson, and then the rest would remain California. And that split would be kind of uh, Sacramento South would be in the in California, and everything uh, kind of a wrapping around Sacramento and North would be, most of it would be a new state. And uh, most everybody, the leaders up here, want that. Uh, we just don't want a lot of things that Southern California wants. Doesn't mean what they want is bad. It's just different from what we want. It's why that, uh, kind of like when Henry Ford made his breakthrough Ford car, he when when people said, hey, what color does it come in? He says black and then also black. And a guy named Louis Chevrolet came along and he created his, his uh, copycat version of a car, a different model, and he offered them in a variety of colors. And so uh, people in the South need different things. They got millions of people stacked on top of each other, urban congestion, gangs, all kinds of stuff. They need different things than we do up here. So we would like to have our own state. We, have, we don't have any representation in Sacramento. Uh, we don't have any clout, voting clout in Sacramento. So we get what L.A. wants, not what we want. That's not what the uh, founding fathers uh wanted when they created the United States of America out of 13 colonies. They wanted people to have a say in their government that ruled over them. And that's not what hap- that's not what's happening in Northern California. We we call kind of Northern California, there's 58 counties in California, 24 of them are kind of Sacramento North. So, but some of you may be bored with this because you're located out there in Missouri. Idaho, Utah, Texas, Nevada, some folks down there in Florida. I'm not quite sure where else. I'll have to talk to Tanner one of these days, see if he can scope that out for me again. But I think I got it pretty dialed in, maybe even something up in Oregon. Oh, I have some people that, that another more California refugees, Yuba Sutter refugees, that, that are living up in Port Angeles, Washington. They're listening up there. So, uh, in fact, I had a... The husband of the couple that moved up there, actually, he was one of um, my participants. I interviewed him one day on the radio. So he, they got up and moved. They, they couldn't take it no more. So they're out of here. Uh, so let me give you a few uh, tidbits today that got my uh, attention. We'll start off with some small stuff. And uh, oh, by the way, let me let me just pitch this 
because I, I don't want to forget it because it's really cool. And uh, it's uh, I love going to live theater. Started when I was in college. I never been to a drama until I got to college. And uh, I thought, oh, I'll go to this theater. Go, I think, and I just sat in. I was just like mesmerized. I thought, this is so cool. And uh, so I've been kind of messing around. I, I'm not into, th- I, I'm not a uh, actor or anything. I've not worked in theater, but I like it. And uh, so I've been blessed and fortunate, however you want to say it, by having some people in my life that are really into theater and music and uh, building sets. And, and two of them are uh, actually married to each other, Dave and Leslie Greenitz. And they've been in my life since the uh, 70s, early 70s, when we lived together communally for a number of years. And um, they created the Creative Light Theater, uh, gosh, about 25 years ago. And they're putting on another one of their plays. They do a couple a year. And this is called Mary Mary. And it's December 6th through the 10th. If you want to do something fun at, as it, uh, Christmas holidays come, you want to bring your family, you want to just go have dinner somewhere. Starts at seven at night. You can get a nice go to you know finish work, go get a little dinner, come over at the theater at uh, Glad Tidings Campus, the Embassy Campus. They call it Church of Glad Tidings, Highway 990 Eager Road. You can catch a little theater. They'll take a little intermission, have some cider or coffee or something, a little snack, and then catch the second half. Have a real memory. Have a go home and have a good time. So Leslie wrote up this little. Uh, description of the play because it's it's a brand new play they write a lot of original plays so she said this is what it's going to be Lou so tell them about it and uh it's uh, she said this Christmas we invite you to to visit Israel I've never been to Israel but every one of my friends that has gone said it's really amazing so she says this Christmas we invite you to visit Israel in the year 0000 to explore the life of Mary Jesus mother just an average teenage girl in the town of Nazareth, born to Jewish parents. She had brothers, sisters, friends, and extended family and carried responsibilities at home while nurturing dreams of her own. This event that set set her apart was sealed when she put all that aside and said yes to God's call, unknowingly setting in motion hell's opposition. A lot of times we don't focus on hell's opposition, do we? We just focus on the fact that she got brought forth uh, Jesus, right? And all the good things and all the celebratory things we do around that. But we didn't realize, or we don't focus or talk enough about that it's set in motion, hell's opposition to the miracle of bringing salvation to everybody, all men, says here. But that means men, women, and chilling. Then she says, share her faith, her obstacles, her triumph as she, as she chooses obedience to heaven's call. So there you have it. This is free. I think they ask for if you, it's totally free, but you can give an offering or contribute to the Creative Light Theater. It doesn't pay salaries. What it does is pay for the cost of building the sets, and all the costumes and all the stuff, all the stuff, microphones, lighting, all that cool stuff. So check it out, December sixth through tenth, uh, just around the corner, seven p.m. nightly. Bring your friends. Just do something. Break up. Do something different this year. Someone sent this to me. I thought it was great. Healthy groceries, $100. Too expensive. Dinner date, $100. Reasonable. Therapist, $130. Absurd. Trip to Target, $130. Great deals. 
Average college class, $1,000. Expensive. iPhone, $1,000. A necessity. Kids' summer camp, $108. Too much money. New pair of shoes, $108. They were on sale. 60 minutes of exercise. I wish I had the time to get that in. 60 minutes on Instagram. Oh, my God. OMG. Time flies. One hour on the phone with parents. Eternity. One hour watching Netflix. Let's watch another one. It concludes by saying everything in life is about priorities. Where do we want to be in 10 years from now? Boy, isn't that true? That'll get your attention. How about this? It says, I used to think, this is a scientist. I used to think the top environmental problems were biodiversity loss, ecosystem collapse, and climate change. I thought that with 30 years of good science, we could address these problems. But I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed, and apathy. And to deal with those, we need a spiritual and cultural transformation, and we scientists don't know one thing about that. I would, I don't know all about that, what scientists know and don't know, but I would say that there's a lot of people. In fact, I talk to people all the time. I talk to emergency responders. In fact, I was talking to the guys. In this case, it was all guys in a CHP training this week. Great guys. I ha have huge admiration for. In fact, I don't even have words to express to them. I tried to express to them how much admiration that I have <clears throat> and that trauma intervention program has for them. We've had a very, very uh, sad few months in this uh, Yuba Sutter area, Yuba Sutter Counties, California. We've had a lot of children die from ver various ailments, babies from ailments and young people from ailments and getting in car crashes and just trouble, just sad, just heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. The, the families will never forget it, of course. And uh, so when I talk to law enforcement like CHP and police officers and sheriff's deputies, firefighters, and some, some medics from Bike County Ambulance, they will say something like this scientist says. He said, we need a spiritual and cultural transformation, and we scientists don't know how to do that. It's not an indictment on on their profession. It's just they're just being trans, transparent. And the emergency responders that I referred to say to me, one thing we like about trauma intervention volunteers is they offer a skill that we weren't trained in. It's not that we aren't, don't care about it. We just were never trained in that, and so we don't feel comfortable trying to deliver that kind of uh, service that you do uh, because we're not prepared to do that. We're prepared to do something else. So that certainly doesn't take away from those that uh, give it a great try and do a great job. Some of my TIP volunteers, trauma intervention volunteers, tell me sometimes they'll come back from a real tough call and they'll say, man, that sheriff's deputy was amazing or that firefighter, or uh, by county person, or CHP officer, and they just said, Lou, they got down on the ground, the person was grieving, laying on the ground, they got down on the ground to console them, etc. So, 
Anyway, but a lot of times the emergency responders will tell me we appreciate when Tip Peak gets there. So it's kind of the same thing, right? It's like you get trained in your uh, your profession, your occupation, and maybe don't get other kinds of training. It, it is impossible to go get some of that training. In fact, either some of those folks, male and female, have got that in them somehow from the way they were raised. Maybe they got it from their parents or they got some training somewhere on their own. So, uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll leave you at that. But I, this is, I've been doing some training at California Highway Patrol up here at the Yuba City office, and I've uh, I've done two out of three. We're doing one a month. Uh, they pull guys off to the side, guys and gals, and and give them some uh, refresher training and then update training on different things that they have going on. And I'm just I'm just a little uh, hors d'oeuvre in the middle of there somewhere for fifteen twenty minutes. So I just want to give a shout out for all our folks that that keep us safe. And there's a lot of different types of law enforcement in California. There's marshals, there's uh, border patrol, there's, I don't know whether we have a s- state police anymore. I think maybe the CHP took that over. But CHP, all the sheriff's departments, police departments, and then you have all these law enforcement people that are working for the casino, working in, in the Department of Justice and for the lottery and for food enforcement, welfare enforcement, just incredible. So all of them are uh, just give a shout out to all of them. I know there's some CHP officers and I know some law enforcement guys uh, that work for Yuba County Sheriff have stopped by here and said, hey, Lou, we, we, we thought we, this was your house because you always talk about it behind Taco Bell. So we thought we'd give do a drive by. And uh, we he had a chat the other day. So uh, way to go out there. Be safe and don't take any chances. Uh, that are going to jeopardize you or your family. Okay. Uh, we pray for you. We, we, uh, you're, I wrote, in fact, I wrote an article. It's coming out in the, the, um, territorial dispatch. Um, and it will be on my what on the website at no hostage radio. And it talks about, uh, in one portion there about law enforcement and how law enforcement is ordained by God, whether or not they, they know God or follow God. It's ordained by God to keep a lid on this thing until Jesus returns. So whether you believe that or not, doesn't really, I'm not trying to sell you on it. I'm just telling you how it is. And uh, so law enforcement, it uh, doesn't matter whether they're perfect or not. There are any perfect people here. There's no perfect pastors. There's no perfect hamburger makers. Uh, there's no perfect mayors. There's no perfect anybody. There's no perfect husbands or wives and perfect parents. But uh, regardless of that, uh, God has ordained law enforcement and the emergency response system to to help us in difficult times, and we're thankful for them. Well, I want to go over a couple things that are kind of fun things here. We're about almost done with our first uh, segment here of 20 minutes. I always take a little refreshment break and play some educational stuff for you while I just take a swig. Uh, of uh, So anyway, there's this guy, cartoon, there's a, a DNC, it says DNC focus group on this cartoon, and up on the whiteboard, it says Trump impre- impeachment for, and then has colon for, and then it has a, a list of items. And all these items are scratched out. Getting elected, misogyny, abuse of power, being friends with Kanye, his hair, tweeting, Russia, Ukraine, quid pro quo. And then uh, the, the two next ones that are not scratched out totally yet are bribery and extortion. So I think uh, if Trump actually literally survives uh, this four years and he actually if he 
by a miracle of God, gets elected to a second four years, and by a miracle of God, if he's preserved and doesn't get shot in the head, I think the list will go off that whiteboard on this cartoon and just go on down onto the sidewalk and out the street, and it's just going to keep going. This, I'm just thinking about it today. The Democrats, can you think of anything they've accomplished in the last three years besides just causing spending I don't know. Have we spent a hundred million dollars? I think Mueller spent twenty-five million, right? We're just spending millions and millions of tax dollars for a nonviolent coup. That's what we're getting here is a nonviolent coup, and it's just wrong. And and I'm going to talk about later some areas in California where they're just spending millions of dollars in legal things to just blockade uh, conservative people, and uh, instead of spending it for roads or to keep people from dying of overdoses or having good health care or whatever, whatever. So uh, we're going to take a break right now, and I'm going to play you a clip, uh, The War on History, How Americans Can Fight Back Against Revisionist History. Be right back. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, the hot chocolate, too. Hot chocolate? Weighing in on the debate over Confederate statues in 2017, President Donald Trump said that activists would turn their attention to the founders after they were done with Confederates. Many in the media mocked the premise that the difference between the founders and Confederates would be obvious to Americans. Unfortunately, the president was right. First they came for the Confederates, and then they very quickly came for everyone else, the founders included. This was always the real goal, to uproot and demolish traditional America to attack the men and institutions and ideas that set this nation's course over the centuries. In my book, The War in History, The Conspiracy to Rewrite America's Past, I lay out specifically the people and ideas in our history that are under attack. For instance, why go after Christopher Columbus, a man who once symbolized America's embrace of immigrants and the bold spirit of exploration? It's because they believed that America was rotten at its roots, a product of genocide and exploitation. Why go after the pilgrims, once celebrated as the forefathers of American exceptionalism and religious liberty? It's because they stand for piety and the spirit of giving thanks in an age in which religion is treated with hostility and grievance is a celebrated attribute. Why go after the founders, whose timeless ideas and long-lasting institutions have not only brought Americans immeasurable strength and prosperity, but allowed us to correct the flaws in our heritage? It's because the ideas of the founding with its emphasis on protecting liberty and God-given rights, stands in direct opposition to the collectivist doctrines that they wish to remake the world with. These are just a few of the attacks on American history that I address and tackle head-on. Americans have much to be proud of and much to improve upon, but a nation that spends more time destroying its history than trying to understand it will quickly have no past and no future.
As our culture cultivates more hostility to the Bible and the virtue that Christ promotes in the gospel, I thought I would take a minute to speak about the frenzy surrounding rapper Kanye West's first faith-based album, Jesus is King. The album has sparked history on Billboard's Hot Christian Songs and Hot Gospel Songs charts. It concurrently crowns the all-genre Billboard 200 top R&B hip-hop albums and top rap albums charts and currently reigns as the first set ever to rule all five rankings. In light of the album's success, searches for Jesus and what do Christians believe have spiked on Google. West has drastically transformed from the once vulgar, misogynist, Grammy-winning rapper to a Christian artist who now intends to remove all expletives from his previous songs. The 42-year-old's gospel rap album is filled with biblical references, and now the American Bible Society promised to hand out free copies of the Bible to interested fans. For those of you who didn't know, the American Bible Society was founded in 1816 by people who were committed to the Bible and to the end of slavery. The first president was founding father Elias Boudinot, who had been president of the Continental Congress from 1782 to 1783. John Jay, the first Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, was named President of the Society in 1821. It sure is refreshing to see the influence of America's Founding Fathers still permeating our culture today. West's work is catching fire all over America, promoting the Bible that John Adams claimed contains the most profound philosophy, the most perfect morality, and the most refined policy that ever was conceived upon Earth. It is the most Republican book in the world, and therefore, I will still revere it. Perhaps one of the most prevalent influences of men like John Adams and the founders was Baron Charles Montesquieu. In his work, The Spirit of the Laws, Montesquieu emphasized, A moderate government is most agreeable to the Christian religion. The Christian religion is a stranger to mere despotic power, the mildness so frequently recommended in the gospel is incompatible with the despotic rage with which a prince punishes his subjects and exercises himself in cruelty. Founding father Dr. Benjamin Rush explained, In contemplating the political institutions of the United States, I lament that we waste so much time and money in punishing crimes and take so little pains to prevent them. We profess to be Republicans, and yet we neglect the only means of establishing and perpetuating our Republican forms of government, that is, the universal education of our youth in the principles of Christianity by the means of the Bible. Dr. Rush concludes, For this divine book, above all others, favors that equality among mankind, that respect for just laws, and those sober and frugal virtues which constitute the soul of republicanism. From our creator to our constitutional republic, to the influence of the Bible and popular culture, the Old and New Testaments of Jesus Christ remain a beacon of liberty to the world. This is Jake McCauley and Joshua McCauley with the Institute on the Constitution, bringing you The American View. Sometimes I feel like I'm a prisoner. I think I'm trapped here for a while. But I'm always yeah. right. Breath of fight to take It's as hard as these four walls I wanna break Go I told the cops you wasn't here tonight Messing around with me
All right, here we go. Um, again, I'm going to uh, cover some uh, little tidbits here, small stuff, not big articles, not big issues, but just quips that people, comments that people have made that are interesting. Um, let's see, there's one I want to get to right. I ran into this today. My fr- f- friend Phil Enright from Australia, who is working on trying to become a U.S. citizen, uh, he is in love with Thomas Jefferson, he always is quoting Thomas Jefferson to me. He said, Lou, I just, I just can't get enough of Thomas Jefferson and his writings. And so I'm in, in memory or in honoring, it's not memory, Phil's still alive and helps me at the Yuba County Jail, drives all the way from Sacramento to come up and speak to the inmates, help them uh, with different areas of their life. But he, uh, I'm going to just to honor Phil uh, as a great guy. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said, freedom is lost gradually from uninterested, uninformed, and uninvolved people. Honestly, people, that is the problem. When you wonder, people wonder, how did we end up in such a mess? How did we get so far off track where people, where a huge number of our young people are thinking communism is the way to go? Where people don't even know, they can't even describe the 13 colonies. They don't even know what the 4th of July is. They don't know what the Statue of Liberty stands for. They don't know, uh, they don't even know most of the states in the Union. Uh, You can interview interview college uh, folks. And they just don't know what the Supreme Court does, how a bill is is passed, um, the the you know the amendments to the our bill of rights the amendments constitution they don't know anything and and so people that are smarter than the average person that are communists uh, they knew that if they could get us to this point of ignorance they could just walk in and take over shop not even file fire a gun so thomas jefferson again wrote freedom is lost gradually it's interesting when you think of the years that he lived and he watched the forming of this country and wrote the Constitution. And before he died, he was president. Before he died, he was able to say this. He saw the deterioration before he died. It's like he isn't writing this from the dead. Freedom is lost gradually from uninterested, uninformed, and uninvolved people. I see it in our church. And we push our church at Glad Tidings. I mean, we do voter registration. We try to get people to sign up to recall people and sign up to stop things and start things. And the apathy is incredible. You just feel like you're trying to run through water, waist-high water. Uninterested, uninformed, uninvolved. If that doesn't describe our generation's baby i don't know what does i like what justice william brennan said he was born in 1906 and he died in 1997 if there's a bedrock principle of the first amendment it is that the government may not prohibit the expression of an idea simply because society finds that the idea itself is offensive or disagreeable now let me just read that again and i want you to think of donald trump while i what while I read this, who is not an idea, it's a person, but I want you to think of it. 
If there is a bedrock principle of the First Amendment, it is that the government may not prohibit the expression of an idea simply because society finds an idea, the idea to be offensive or disagreeable. Now, when, when we have elected, duly elected a president of the United States, even if, if it's not one that I would have chosen, and I chose the opposite person, uh, I do not have a right to then overthrow that person. Unless they're, unless they're taking away my rights, and, and we have a right against the government itself. Something to think about. Something to think about. Um, there's a big fight on about fracking, you know. And uh, Eric Erickson writes, based on Fiona Hill's testimony, which I didn't get to, to hear, I wonder how many anti-fracking groups, you know, there's groups that are anti-fracking. They call themselves environmentalists and they tell lies about fracking, that it's pollution, that's polluting and it's, it's, uh, it's bad for the environment. It's actually great for the environment. And I have an article about it if we have time to get to it. But, he, but Erickson uh, poses this question. I wonder how many anti-fracking groups are getting money under the table from Moscow. Now there's no, secret this is not conspiracy theory stuff it's because people have to tell where they get their money from in these nonprofits, like the sierra club or the audubon society and these oil producing countries have lobbied and given huge money to these nonprofits that have influence in the legislature to do what to stop america from producing oil and gas because if they could get America to stop producing oil and gas, then maybe they'll buy some from them. Or they won't, The when I say they, America won't compete to sell our, our uh, abundance, our overabundance of resources to other countries. And uh, so our companies can make money, our various corporations. So he's Eric Erickson's accusing Fiona Hill, who's an environmentalist, of taking money from Moscow— Communists, right? Uh, when all along we're accusing the president of the United States and Republicans are somehow colluding with the communists, but we have these nonprofits that have been taking millions and millions and millions of dollars from Russia to undermine the best interest for the United States consumer, which is fossil fuels and gas and natural gas. We have a representative, a con congressman named Devin Nunes from uh, California. He's one of the bright stars of, of uh, the Congress uh, and from California. He's, he's a Republican. And he says that Democrats got caught trying to obtain nude photos of President Trump from Russian pranksters pretending to be U Ukrainians. In other words, they got pranked. They, the Democrats got punked. And they, they got caught uh, soliciting and uh, trying to just, again, anything they can to make Donald Trump look crazy, look look uh, immoral, bad, uh, reprobate. So Nunes says this is or that is the Democrats' pitiful legacy in recent years. They got caught. Isn't it interesting that in the last three years, first they, they mocked Donald Trump as a candidate, they just ruthlessly mocked him when a lot of them kissed his ass 
and begged him for money for their projects before he before he became a candidate. Then the hypocrites turned around and just uh, treated him like he was a leper or had AIDS or had lesions all over his body. And uh, and the entire three years they have spent the taxpayers money throwing nail strips under his uh, his efforts to make America great. And what has been done has been in spite of the Democrats. They have not lent a hand at any level to try to improve anything about this country from from national security to economics. So uh, how about this? Jimmy Kimmel. The question now, says Jimmy Kimmel. These, you, by the way, I used to like the late night uh, comedy guys. The group we got now are are crazy people. They are. I wouldn't watch them even if I was a doper. The question now going forward for those Congress people who support Trump is, are you a Republican or are you an American? And I guess we're going to find out pretty soon. Who are these people? Who are these people? You know what you I always imagine. <clears throat> I always think if if the country was under siege and we were having to defend ourselves, would I want any of those late night sissies in the foxhole with me? I would not. I would rather have one of these drug addicts from down here at the Yuba County Jail back have on my back. Not no Jimmy Kimmel or the rest of them. Uh, Bernie Sanders, how about this? I mean, some of these people are so... And and people are all in for them and give it, actually giving them millions of dollars. What about this? What the scientists are telling us, says Senator Bernie Sanders, if we don't get our act together within the next eight or nine years, we're talking about cities all over the world, major cities going underwater. We're talking about increased drought. We're talking about increased extreme weather disturbances well they're just describing what it's it's amazing it's like if it rains it fulfills their prophecy if the sun comes out it fulfills their prophecy if it's intermittent cloudy it fulfills their prophecy these people are nuts senator bernie sanders how about that how about uh joy reed you know joy joy is a msnbc uh, what do they call her? Newscaster, talk show host. Uh, I don't know what to call her. Fake news aficionado. She says, I think for, particularly for voters of color, there's no conversation of interest to talk about uniting, to be blunt, with the party that has been, that has given up, not just its moral standing, but its soul to the person who is president of the United States right now. This Joy Reid is a nutcase, is a nutcase. I, in fact, I got a, there's all kinds of uh, recordings and texts and tweets of her. She's a full-on homophobe. Did you know that? And, and then she's a liar because then she came out and said, well, it isn't, I didn't write all that. Somebody came in and hacked. You believe that? I don't believe that for a second. Let me finish up here. Candace Owens. Taylor Swift threw a public 
temper tantrum because a record label wouldn't let her play her own songs. Candace says, wait till she finds out the Democrats she supports aren't going to let her spend her own money. Now, that's some sober talk right there because uh, I'll just speak for California. They're controlling everything. They're now having, in fact, you can read my article about Venezuela and California rationing uh, and socialism. And it talks about how, how a rationing began in Venezuela, one of the, one of the uh, booming, at one time, one of the booming economies of the United States or the world. And certainly the big, big economy in South America. And I wrote an article about it and how it, how rationing began and how they went from full grocery store shelves to nothing on them and where they were hijacking trucks to steal food off the trucks, law-abiding citizens, where they went from water all day to water just a couple days a week, where they went from power all day, every day, to power every once in a while and blackouts most of the time. When they went from hospitals with medicine to hospitals with a little bit of medicine. And how that happened gradually. Because the government kept taking over industries. You know, uh, the governor of the state of California has now suggested taking over PG&E. They actually already have their hands on the throttle over there at PG&E because they have told them, we don't want you to be using fossil fuels. We, we're going to shut down. They shut down San Onofre nuclear power plant. And I think I thought Mount Diablo, uh, their Diablo Canyon uh, power plant in San Luis Obispo, right on the coast. Both these power plants are on the coast. I thought that they'd already shut that down. But I read the other day that it's going to be around for maybe a portion of another year. Uh, but they're shutting down the cleanest environmentally the cleanest way to create electricity which is uh nuclear power and they're they're forcing people like pg&e to to use green energy which is very expensive it's inconsistent when the wind doesn't blow you don't get uh wind power and when it blows too hard you can't have wind power it has to be 30 miles an hour or less and then when you get a lot of wind power they, what do you do with it? You can't store it anywhere. They don't have battery systems to store it. Like hydroelectric, you can store it, right? You can store, the, you can let the water out a little bit at a time. You have some kind of measuring device there. And um, so in solar power, uh, when it's cloudy, no solar, no solar production. So it's difficult, Right. And uh, so we just have more and more lies. And so we have rationing beginning in California and more and more controls on everything. They eliminated the gig economy. This You may have missed this, but a lot of people are not employees. They work as s- s- contractors or part-time people. They just get, you just, they write you a check. They don't take anything out. You, you, you operating as a self-employed contractor, right? Because because, 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 I won't get all the details, but they, they tightened up the rules on the economy. So all these Lyft drivers and Uber drivers and all these people that, that, are, that are independent contractors 
uh, are now going to be forced to be on the payroll, which costs more money for the business, but it puts more money in the pockets of bureaucrats. And it controls your life, right? When government tells you how much you have to pay people and how, when you have to pay them time and a half and two times and three times and when you, how many hours a day that they can work and then you have to pay them a different amount and then you have to have this kind of insurance and that kind of insurance and you have to have, you have, to have a type of insurance where they can have an abortion and you have to do this and you have to do that. Pretty soon they force you to pay for a sex change. That's called socialism, people, or fascism. Taking control while you have all the responsibility. Did you know this? You know this guy, Hunter Biden? He's one of the sons of uh, Joe Biden, the senator and f former vice president. And Hunter Biden, uh, did you know that Kerry, John Kerry, Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden, and it seemed like there's one other official, have all had people working for these Ukrainians and making tons of money. And this Hunter Biden, who doesn't know his butt from a hole in the ground. In fact, I think he's a recovered drug addict. Uh, and when his brother died of brain cancer, he ended up dropping his wife and marrying his brother's wife. Then he, then he ended up fathering a baby from another woman while he was married to his brother's wife. And uh, But he was making... Uh, he got appointed to be on this uh, energy company's board of directors over in Ukraine. And I'd say, okay, okay. But he got 50, was it $50,000 a month? I think it was 50. That's pretty good pay, right? I've never made that in a year. 50000 a month, pretty good. And it was all connected with uh, his daddy. And so all of these, the, the, Family members of these top Democrats have been involved making all kinds of money in Ukraine. And where Donald Trump just asks a question about it, he's going to get impeached over it. He didn't make any money. None of his people over there are working, getting paid. And uh, it's just it's just interesting. All right. I, I wanted to. Uh, oh, we're coming to. We got about a, a minute and a, a little over about two minutes. I can't really. Let me just start this. I'll finish it on the backside. So you know how when uh, you go to a movie and an actor plays a role, he may play a military leader or president of the United States or a scientist or a detective, right? Some really important job. And uh, they play that for or a doctor, right? And so people get so used to seeing them in that role that they actually, it's hard for them to not believe that they aren't at that in real life. So if a particular actor is a doctor and you see him on there every week in the uh, uh, some kind of a one-hour show, it, it isn't unusual. Maybe you would ask him for medical advice, right? So what happens is, is all these actors, and the term actor hold that thought, like, you're acting that you're something you really aren't, right? You're you're playing a role that you really aren't. And uh, so whether you're a star athlete and you're not a star athlete at all, in fact, you're uncoordinated, right? Or a singer and you're a lousy singer, they just fake it. They fake it on the, fake it till you make it. 
So when we come back, I'm going to talk about an article by Brent Bozell, When Actors Play Scientists on, on Capitol Hill. And Brent Bozell is a really sharp guy with the uh, MRC TV, and, and they've, they're kind of watchdogs on media. So we'll be right back. I'm going to play a clip. The Not-So-Great Society, How the War on Poverty Wrecked American Education. We'll be right back. President Lyndon Johnson launched his War on Poverty in 1964 at the University of Michigan. He said there were three places where we begin to build the Great Society, in our cities, in our countryside, and in our classrooms. That speech marked the beginning of more than half a century of federal spending on education programs from preschool through graduate school. Unfortunately, or perhaps predictably, the federal government's foray into the infinitely complex domain of what and how children learn has not led to better learning outcomes. As we explain in the Heritage Foundation's new book, Johnson's program led to what we call the not-so-great society. In early childhood education, the federal Head Start preschool program, launched as a part of the War on Poverty, has had little to no impact on parenting practices or the cognitive, social, emotional, and health outcomes of children. In K through 12, the achievement gap between disadvantaged students and their more affluent peers remains the same today as it was in 1964. Affluent students are still four years ahead in learning. And in higher education, five decades after the Great Society got the federal government into the business of guaranteeing student loans, Americans hold more than $1.6 trillion in outstanding student loan debt. And the irony? 44% of recent college graduates are in jobs that don't require a college degree. So what's to be done? In education, the first step is a bold one. Get Washington out. Education should return to its roots in the earliest days of the Republic, when parents played a central role in choosing how and where their kids learned, and when students, if they choose to go to college, paid their way without making the Faustian bargain of taking a federal loan. In other words, the Department of Education should no longer be a cabinet-level agency. Our new book devotes an entire section to solutions at the pre-K, K-12, and post-secondary levels. Heritage has solutions to help lawmakers and education officials at all levels. But more importantly, we offer ways to help parents and students and give every child great learning options that prepare them for life. We need someone on that stage who has the ability to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Donald Trump and someone who has the ability to rebuild the Obama coalition and bring the party and the nation together. I believe I am backhanded. Girl, bye. I know you did not just say that you want to rebuild the Obama coalition to bring America back together. Obama messed up America. Obama divided America. Obama put America in debt. You want to rebuild that? There is no rebuilding nothing. Obama didn't build nothing for you to rebuild. What are you? Kamala, let me talk to you real quick, okay? You need to step down, okay? You need to 
in your campaign. How are you even on stage? You polling at 3%. How they let you on stage? Who did you pay to, or who did you, you, well, we know what you did with Willie Brown and how you got to, your career started. How in the world did you get on that stage? Well. Well, I want to talk uh, further about this article that Brent Bozell and Tim Graham wrote on when actors play scientists on Capitol Hill. So they'll have hearings on uh, controversial topics on Capitol Hill. And uh, and so you'll see scientists come in that it's their specialty, cancer research, you know, uh, Ebola, AIDS, whatever. And they'll bring them in because the senators and congressmen don't know about this unless they're medical people themselves. Depends on their background, right? So uh, an old age, long-time political stunt on Capitol Hill is to bring in celebrities because uh, Congress is not uh, exempt from being influenced by actors that are bigger than life on, on the big screen, right? You know, the big screen. So if you bring in a John Wayne for this or old people or I don't know what the new uh, Hollywood heroes are. But they bring them in to testify. And uh, so at one time you had people like Jane Fonda and Jessica Lange and Sissy Spacek all come in and testify. You remember what that was for? Well, it was for agriculture. And all these farms were going broke. And these ladies all played uh, parts in films having to do with agriculture. They started movies about agriculture. And so congressmen that were trying to influence a bill brought these beautiful ladies in, and, uh, and you could actually lose your mind and think for a moment that they actually knew something about growing a radish when they probably didn't. only radish they ever saw was in the grocery store right? They knew nothing. So, uh, so we have a house oversight and reform subcommittee on the environment and it's chaired by uh, representative Harley Ruda, Democrat, California. And he called upon Bernie Sanders backing actor, Mark Ruffalo to testify about uh, some chemicals that are very hard to Pronounce. Usually I can pronounce English words fairly easy, but this is uh, per floor, floral akil, per floral akil, or what they call PFAs. And these chemicals are used for many everyday uses. Uh, they keep food from sticking to f- cookware. They make uh, help make clothes and carpets resistant to stains. 
Uh, it, it's in firefighting foam. Uh, but the problem is some of the chemicals, these chemicals have leached into soil and water and air, and they show up in the bloodstream. So people are debating, well, is that bad or is it okay? Passing. Ruffalo doesn't have a college degree in chemistry. He doesn't have a college degree in any in in any street, right? Or ology. No degree. He has only played a scientist called Dr. Bruce Banner or the Hulk in the Hulk and and in the Avengers movies. Now I haven't seen any of these movies. So maybe you're familiar with this. I am not. Bruce Banner, he was a scientist. And so he looked really intelligent in those movies. And so they just they just bless him with that intelligence when he walks off the stage and he can walk onto the 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 Hall of Congress and sit behind a big old table with a little water in front of him. Uh Ruffalo is starring in a movie about evil chemical companies called Dark Waters, which opens, uh, the movie's Dark Waters, opens in limited release three days after, just, isn't this an amazing coincidence? This is all being heard at Capitol Hill, and he is going to talk about these terrible, terrible chemicals, and his film is about terrible terrible chemicals and it's going to open three days after he talks on Tapel hill and gets all kinds of publicity isn't this interesting how this all works together this film is distributed by nbc universal's focus features brand it's based on the real life lawsuits against dupont by an activist lawyer named rob below so representative fred keller of pennsylvania underlined this stunt and said the majority that means the Democrat majority in the House, has called as their witness an actor. He said, I love this, man. I love these guys when they do this. I said, God bless you guys. He says publicly, he said, that's right, an actor. An actor with no medical, no scientific, no research expertise except for a few scenes as Dr. Bruce Banner, an actor that has a record of anti-business activism. More importantly to Mr. Ruffalo, an actor with a movie preparing this week that attacks private sector job creators with loose facts and hyped up emotional rhetoric. So says Doc, Rep, Representative Fred Keller of Pennsylvania. God bless you, Fred. Come on, man. That's awesome. Uh, so in 2016, Virginia Tech professor Dr. Mark Edwards actually a person with degrees, ripped Ruffalo as an A-list actor but an F-list scientist for the fear and misinformation created by Ruffalo's activist group called Water Defense. He's into pure water, oh Ruffalo. The subject was the water quality in Flint, Michigan. Dr. Edwards is credited for helping to expose the lead contamination problem in Flint. Then-President Obama reassured Flint residents that the water was safe to drink after they switched back to a different source of water, and this water would be coming out of Detroit. But, in other words, Obama said, hey, disconnect from where that bad source is, right? Where they're getting all this lead. Disconnect and connect to a pipe system 
that is pulling water out of Detroit, which was good water, right? But in spite of Obama's work to remedy the situation until they could get a permanent fix, Ruffalo and his leftist group shamelessly continued to claim that the water was totally unsafe for showering and bathing. See how the scam and the the fraud and the deception uh, socialism cannot survive on the truth. Communism cannot survive on the truth. It always is exposed. And it, but the sad thing is, by the time it's exposed, so many people's lives have been either ruined, ended, or damaged. Ruffalo's real content, shoot, Ruffalo's real credential uh, for for House Democrats is his socialist ideology. He publicly endorsed a guy named Jeremy Corbyn, uh, referred to as the nut who called Karl Marx a great economist. Uh, and he, in, anyway, he endorses Jeremy Corbyn for British prime minister. And he thought Marx was a great guy. Radical representatives like AOC, Alexandria, Ocasio-Cortez, and RT, Rashida Tlaib, or Laib, was gushing over, they love Ruffalo in this committee hearing. They were kissing up to him, right? Little foxes just kissing up to old Ruffalo, good-looking guy, actor. So Tlaib uh told the movie star, I think what you said is exactly what we need to do in Congress. Corporate greed is tainting our democracy. So it's interesting. The actor uh, Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, is worth around $30 million. But he's the guy who says that corporate greed is tainting our democracy. Well, corporate greed has actually really been a blessing to Ruffalo. And really been a blessing to all those compadres down there in Hollywood, or Hollywood as it probably once was called. Another big supporter of Mark Ruffalo is in the hearing was Debbie Wasserman Schultz. When I, I got some pit bull side of me, and every once in a while my lip starts to turn up when Debbie Wasserman Schultz is shown on video. I think. Arr. She's a former the head, head of the Democratic National Committee, you know, and she got exposed for being a liar and a cheat and a fraud. And so they, they removed her from her, her spot. Remember that on the Clinton deal where she was, Bernie was winning, but Clinton got the nod, right? Uh, so I'm just looking here. If I want to just finish this. So anyway, I'll leave this. Uh, what I'm telling you is that they bring non-science people in to say scientific things and try to pass bills and push policy and agendas. Oh, by the way, before we get done with this segment, I, we're push, approaching the halfway. Do, do you remember what Gavin Newsom, a nuisance, I should call him, and the we now have not just a majority, but it's a it's a power majority of the uh, legislature in Sacramento that are that are liberals. They're really they're not just Democrats. These guys are real perverts down there. And uh, there's so many of them 
that they don't even need a Republican vote to make a change. So they decided that Donald Trump was not going to be welcome in California, nor on the nor on the ballot if he didn't turn over his tax returns. Right. They are now trying to become really these legislators are they become a legend in their own mind. Their their britches are too big for them, actually, and uh, or they're too big for their britches. And most men are too big for their britches, but these guys uh, intellectually are. And so they think that, you know, uh, we don't even need to go back there to Congress. We're going to control Congress and the and the country from California. We're just going to usurp the authority. Usurp. That's kind of a cool word, right? I learned when I was in, in school. I don't think they teach that anymore. U-S-U-R-P. Usurp. That means take over stuff. We had that, we had that happen all the time around here. So they decided we're going to put the we're going to put a big old thumb in the eye of the Trump administration by saying you can't even come over here because they've been wanting him to turn in his tax returns and he's not required to do that. No, you know, just because Jimmy Carter did after Watergate in 1976 or whatever it was. So what? It does, it, it's like he didn't he didn't create a new law. He just decided to show people's tax returns so you could see what Jimmy was all about. But we don't there's no law that says that. So anyway, they did this, and and even Jerry Brown and many Democrat leaders said, "This is unconstitutional, guys. You can't, guys and gals, you can't just do this." Uh, but they 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 went ahead and did it. Now now here's the interesting thing: we kind of look at the philosophy of these things and the policies of these things. So sometimes we just forget a fact about the fact that from the government's point of view, they're spending our tax dollars to make all this. Uh, standing in the way of progress and filing lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. These attorneys are making hundreds and hundreds of dollars an hour from 100, 200. I don't think you can get an attorney for a hundred dollars anymore. You're probably looking at two, three, four, five, six. I, I heard of somebody the other day was getting five or $600 an hour. Uh, so it says this week, the Supreme court unanimously. Now this is interesting. You have a California Supreme court loaded with Democrats unanimously struck down the new state law passed by the supermajority of the perverts down here in Sacramento. In other words, these people don't even care what the law says. They just pass laws. They said, well, just in other words, what the constitution says, we're just going to, we don't care. Constitution. We, hey, we're, we're, I'm an assemblyman. You don't mess with me. I'm a Senator like well, constitution. Forget the constitution. The Supreme Court of California unanimously struck down the state law that would have required presidential candidates. See, it just doesn't apply to Trump. So pretty soon they say, oh, well, uh, you know, we don't know. You know, maybe you should maybe you should also show us this and maybe you should show us that and maybe you should show us something else. So the Supreme Court said you, you can't do that. And so. Uh, some of the law. Constitutional law scholars, uh, for some of them, the law was also obviously unconstitutional. It just wasn't a dig at the GOP president. In other words, these people don't care about what the law is. The same way that Schiff doesn't care what the truth is, or Pelosi doesn't care what the truth is, or Nadler doesn't care what the truth is. They just want to make things so crazy that people will pick up their marbles and go home and surrender, and Trump will quit. That's what they're hoping for. 
So uh, Trump declined to release his tax returns in the 2016 presidential campaign, breaking a precedent set by uh, Carter, as I mentioned, after the Watergate scandal in 1976. So Brown, Governor Brown, before, you know, he got, you know, for his dust settled, he said, first of, in fact, Brown had already vetoed this kind of idea once before. When it went to him, he just said, this is uncon." He's an attorney. Right? He was, used to be the attorney general of the state of California. He said, this is unconstitutional. He said, I think it's unconstitutional. And then he said, it sets a slippery slope precedent. Today we require tax returns, but what are we going to start requiring later on? So uh, anyway, uh, that's good news. There's one little portion down here I wanted to add to this, I think, at the end of this article. Uh, here, here's another. Th- these are things that are are just stupid, uh, outlandish legal maneuvers that are sucking up all of our tax money, right? Or a lot of our tax money. For instance, CalMatters reported uh, in uh, October that in 2015 the legislature passed a law forcing. This ticked me off when they did this. They forced anti-abortion crisis pregnancy centers. That would be like our woman's friend here in town. Uh, They call themselves a pregnancy resource center. They passed a law forcing these centers to provide their clients with information about free or low-cost abortion services. Now, there are all kinds of Planned Parenthoods and abortion service providers that don't have to prov- provide any kind of adoption ideas or any kind of other help to their clients. But but they're trying to shut down these this law, tried to shut down crisis pregnancy centers. That was the entire thing to harass them. The law was eventually struck down as a clear violation of the First Amendment, and uh, the state was required by the courts to pay $2 million in legal costs for the law firms representing the crisis pregnancy centers. Isn't that interesting? The bummer is, I mean, I, I'm happy that we won that case, but the bummer is, is that's $2 million. What could, you know, I bet the city of Marisol would love, love to have $2 million of the taxes of this money to help their city, the city of Marisol or the city of Oroville or the city of Calusa, or any city would love to have $2 million. I'm sure they could find a good use for it, right? But we blew it because some idiots down there uh, can't figure out what's constitutional and what not. Now, with all the attorneys that are in the legislature and all the attorneys that they have, in fact, they, they didn't have enough attorneys. You remember when the legislature hired Eric Holder to fight against Trump? They just said, we got money. You know, when if it's one, if we want to store water or anything with water or something like that, oh, no, 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 we can't. We put in a new bridge. Oh, no, 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 no. We, oh, we, we got, we got 400 attorneys down here in Sacramento. Oh, well, let's hire Eric Holder because Eric, you know, he knows his way around Washington and he's really smart and everything. And he's a criminal like us and kind of a pervert. Wife runs, you know, has a, he makes money off killing babies. 
having a building where he and his wife, they have a building where a big abortion clinic operates out of it. Yeah, he said, he's, he's right up our line. Let's pay him to come over here and tell us how to kick Trump's rear. Not like put people to work. Not, not like reform prisoners, help them start anew. Not like help single moms get on their feet. Not like reduce regulations so more people will make money. No, no, no. We just want to screw over the president, right? State taxpayers have also had to foot the bill for defending California against challenges to other laws that were on stupid legal grounds, including one that sought to prevent websites like IMDB from publishing the ages of actors. You know something? Why? I mean, it's just like probably Hollywood people put pressure on these legislatures because legislators because they thought, oh my God, Steven Spielberg's calling. Oh my God, uh, Tom Hanks is on the phone, Senator. Would you could you take? Do you have time to take a phone from phone call from Tom Hanks? Or oh, uh, Sissy SpaceX SpaceX on the phone. Do you think would you mind talking to her for a minute? You know these people are so full of themselves, folks. It's they're screwed up in the head. They are screwed up in the head. They ignore people that are keeping this country going and they kiss up to people that if they drop dead tomorrow, the country wouldn't even miss them. Right. Wouldn't even there's not a Hollywood actor down there. If they drop dead tomorrow, it wouldn't affect the health and wealth of this country one bit. Right. They're just sucking. They're just sucking the energy out of this country. You know, you have a doctor die, or a researcher die, or a lawman die, that's hurting the country. Or a military guy die, that's hurting the country, right? Farmer die, somebody that's actually producing something that benefits somebody, but just these people that are pretending to be somebody they aren't, they could all drop dead. They could do have an Al-Qaeda hit on Hollywood. Wouldn't affect anything. You think, oh, well, we need we need the culture and arts. We got culture and arts right here in this town. I was talking about it earlier, the Creative Light Theater. We don't need Hollywood. We got incredible people, painters, professional painters. We got musicians. You know something, people? Uh, we just are so screwed up. We got our priorities really wrong. All right, uh, let's see. We're gonna take a. I'm gonna take a swig of tea here. And I'm going to play you something. Citizen journalists forced by the court to pay $870,000 to Planned Parenthood. This is shocking. And I think it will be overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Be right back. David, talk to me about um, talk to me about what happened on Friday. Where do you go from here? Sure. So uh, the first place we're going to go is to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, which is rapidly becoming a fair place. Fortunately, there's a lot of new appointments on the Ninth Circuit. But um, what Judge Oreck did on behalf of his buddies at Planned Parenthood for the past six weeks of this trial was basically try and bamboozle the jury into believing that there's no way that the defendants, myself and my colleagues, could be innocent. 
and that all that stuff about selling body parts, using illegal abortion procedures, harvesting organs from infants delivered alive, all of that was something that Judge Oreck said to the jury, you should disregard your own feelings about it, disregard your instincts about it, and just focus on what Judge Oreck and Planned Parenthood are telling you. And so I think that's why we got this uh, ultimately nearly $2.3 million verdict uh, rubber stamped for Planned Parenthood down to the very last penny, every single thing that they asked for. This biased judge in San Francisco made sure that they were able to get by rigging the system and by tightly controlling what the jury was allowed to see or not see, including the jury was supposed to be the finder of fact on whether or not some of these conversations were private or confidential, they weren't even allowed to listen to the conversations. So it's an amazing, staggering abuse of discretion on the part of Judge Oreck, and we're going to be going straight to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to try to get all of that reversed. Right, as, as you should. And I, I have a couple of questions based on what you said. First of all, in your videos, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here because I want to be very detailed, in your videos, you captured proof of two uh, two counts or two different illegal activities, not only the sale, the profiting from the sale of aborted baby body parts, but also the alteration of the abortion procedure, which is illegal if the goal is to harvest the body parts, correct? Yes, that's correct. And were those videos allowed to be viewed by the jury? Uh, only a very, very small portion of them, only about four minutes. The rest of them were completely blocked from the jury to see any more of it. Uh, there was even some testimony in the courtroom from top-level Planned Parenthood witnesses and leadership admitting that they sell body parts on a quid pro quo basis, admitting that they find nothing wrong with using a criminal partial birth abortion method, flipping the baby to a feet-first position to deliver alive and intact for organ harvesting. Um, and then on top of that, the Planned Parenthood National knew that all of this was going on, but as soon as information like that would start to leave the lips of the witnesses on the witness stand, Judge Oreck would turn to the jury and say, remember, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this case is not about any of that. Don't you let it trouble your minds one bit. Just focus on what, uh, focus on what Planned Parenthood is going to tell you. And, uh, and that is how they were able to try to continue to cover that up in the course of this six-week trial. It's really egregious and really outrageous what they did. Sir, we're gonna take these funds for the old town road. We're gonna buy a ton of black asphalt. Right. We're gonna take these funds for the old town road. We're gonna yeah. pave yeah. and also fix potholes. Or we could take these funds for the old town road and maybe build a brand new stadium. Sir, it's our entire job to fix the old town road. We must ensure that, is he even listening? I'm thinking no. This is so exciting, look the roof is shining So touched by this project, I named it Joe Biden Sir, this is dismaying, taxpayers are paying ha. Studies show these never la, la, create la, la, economic can't growth hear what you're saying, can't nobody tell me nothing You can't tell him nothing Can't nobody tell me nothing You can't tell him nothing Roads are all unstable, should fix them if we're able. How broken are we talking? Think month old iPhone cable. We should not be subsidizing a billion dollar guy that will subsequently leverage Look, moving. Our mascot has a trident. Uh, can nobody tell me nothing? You can't tell him nothing. Can nobody tell me nothing? You can't tell him 
neighborhoods complaining Eminent domain it Toll road gas tax Let's call it a day That's then. not a solution Can't nobody tell me nothing You can't tell him nothing Can't nobody tell me nothing You can't tell him nothing Well, it is so sad. I saw somebody was just down in San Francisco. They had to take their child down there for a medical exam. And so they took, you know, how people post all these photos on Facebook and, and, uh, they, you, I, you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful. Some of these people actually are my friends. Some of the things people post on Facebook, I, I just wonder, I thought, I thought I knew you. But you post stuff on Facebook that kind of, it's like you must be, you need counseling. You should go see a psychiatrist. It seems like you're really insecure. And you're wanting, in fact, I was talking to somebody, I was talking to a guy on the phone today. He works in uh, government and uh, in the, in the uh, incarceration industry. And, I, and we were talking about a situation that happened we need to straighten out. And we were talking about etiquette and courtesy and uh, propriety and uh, modesty. And we were, you know, because there's all kinds of rules when you go into prisons or jails or juvenile halls. So, and I got called up. I told him, I was, he started laughing at me because I said I got called on the carpet by the captain over the jail because I was vi- vi- violating the uh, PREA rules, which is the sexual standards. And uh, because I was hugging a couple people and that's off limits when you go into these deals. So I was saying, you know, what what really bugs me is all these women that go on Facebook and they take a shot of their boobs and they keep taking shots of their boobs. And they then everybody goes on and tell them how beautiful they are. And then people, if they look at their boobs then they say, well, you're harassing me sexually. And they they. They get dressed, and they you can tell in a day they have extra time on their hands because they put out put on different outfits, and then they have these different poses, and they they post it on Facebook. I've had it finally; just I got tired of it, and I would try to be friendly with them because I was trying to nurse, you know, kind of encourage them along in life because they were trying to rebound from some bad stuff. But people would go on there, and, and all the guys going on, you know, they just wanted to screw them, right? They had they had no interest in. Oh, you're very beautiful. Oh, you're you're like all oh, this. You're all that. They just they just want to have sex with them, and and we were just talking about how tacky the whole culture has gotten and how insecure people are. Facebook has given an avenue where everybody can get in everybody's business if you're on Facebook. Now, some of my friends, I I'm finding out, they said, Lou, I I'm done. I left. Or, I never did that, or or I'm I I left that years ago. I I'm I'm, I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. That's uh, interesting. Maybe my time is coming. 
because I was telling my friend, I said, honestly, man, uh, this this situation uh, is crazy with women taking pictures of I don't have guys doing that so much. It's just women taking pictures of their bodies in compromising situations, showing you shots down their down their top. And I just think this is weird because we were talking about propriety working with inmates, right? Not touching them, not hugging them, not not being too close to them. Because what's happened over the years, the average person that goes in and tries to help out is just genuine, good motives. Then you got somebody that wants to have sex with some inmate, like even have correctional officers that have been fired for that or inappropriate behavior or doing favors. And then everybody's got to live up to these incredible standards and act like a a concrete statue around people and stuff. Anyway, I won't get off on the deal. Anyway, San Francisco's poop pop problem is worsening. And I was just thinking a friend of mine stopped by. I'm leaving for uh, Vietnam and friend was dropping off some supplies for me to take over there. And, and so he was saying, Lou, what do you think about this new ordinance that they're passing in both counties or cities? And I said, hey. You know, it's just too too little, too late, but we got to do something. And so they're trying to do something, and they're dealing with the federal government and all that. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I said, did you look at the hole that was dug in the levee? Now, I'm real sensitive to levees because I went through the 55 flood. I went through the 86 flood and 97 flood. I've been through three floods. And I know my dad lost his entire business in a flood. It was a big deal to my family. My my uncle at the same time, same flood, lost his entire cabinet business. My dad lost a food business. And uh, and my uh, my uncle lost their house in on Franklin in Yuba City. You know, I've been through the flood, and I'm sensitive about the levees. And uh, and it's interesting when you think who in their right mind would dig a three or four foot wide 12 or as deep as you can go into the levee, 12 or 15 feet hole in the levee and, and be so clueless and screwed up in their head that they would endanger the whole community. If we get high water and the water just bursts through there and eats all eats right through the levee. And, and we get these hundred hundreds of millions of dollars that people are now paying on bonds for that, uh, that some idiot goes over there and damages a levy. It's just unbelievable. It's so selfish, right? It's so completely selfish. It's like, it's like I've, I've had uh, acquaintances of mine that like to walk or run on the levy, and they could quit doing it in both Yuba City and Marisol. Why? Because dogs off the leash in camps down there, not being properly cared for because nobody is obeying the law and no one is enforcing the law. And they run up and try to bite people that are just having a day, and you can't even run on the levees. You live in the count that's this town, these towns, you pay taxes in these towns, and you cannot even walk and run uh, in a perimeter area around a housing project because people in camps uh, aren't taking care of their business. And idiots are digging holes. And, and uh, you know, when I was a kid— uh, we used to slide down the levee on cardboard sheets. Thought that was fun. Once we got the grass kind of folded over, you could go pretty fast. It was fun. And they would let us do that for a while until we started to wear a path. And then they would come and say, hey, 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 hey. It's a levee. Protects us, right? Knock it off. 
and they burn the levees to see how if there's any damage. They don't just do it just because. They're, they're trying to monitor gopher holes, da-da-da, and so they can fix the levees. But they, they, I believe it's a misdemeanor or some type of infraction or some sort of, of driving like motorbikes up on the levees, going up the side of the levee, or ATV vehicles. It's a big deal. But here we have people that are just absolutely idiotic, and we're going to let a federal judge run our city. I just think, I just think at some point we ought to just do a unanimous to hell with you. How about a unanimous to hell with you, right? Up yours, right? Or go down there and just kick his ass, right? I'm sick of it. All of a sudden, we're going to pay attention to judges that are nonsensical. They're idiots. Like you can't tell a person he can't just camp anywhere unless I provide him a place to live. That is crazy. That is totally crazy. We don't owe people a place to live. That's socialism. We don't owe people. In fact, I have a friend. I don't know why I told this last week. I can't remember now. She works out off of Butte House Road. Or she did. And one day there's a couple out there, man and woman. And uh, she stopped and they, they talked her into putting them up in a hotel, a motel. And she got him squared away. In the middle of the night, this hotel, motel uh, operator, called her and they said, you either get these people out of here or I'm going to charge your card, not only for the fee to rent the motel room, but for all the damages they're doing. You put these people in that are addicts out of their mind in your rental. I don't care what kind of rental you got. House apartment they'll destroy it there's they'll cost you your you'll have to sell the thing to get out of it it's crazy the government actually has no idea how hard it is to make a living where you're out trying to make a profit and you got to take the risk and put your money at risk it's real easy to just walk over and go to work at the county or the city and uh it doesn't matter whether they do a good job or a bad job uh, you're going to get paid at the end of the day or at the end of the week or the end of the month. You could be the lousiest worker. You could fall asleep on the job. You could actually make a blunder. It doesn't cost you your job in the county or the city. But when you're out trying to make a living and investing your own finances, that if it doesn't work out, you're going to be paying on those for the rest of your life, that debt, if you're borrowing money to go into business. It's like a big deal. And the government around here and everywhere else just thinks, Oh, well, you didn't, the sign needs to be blue. You can't have a red sign over here. Well, that sign is three inches too long. Well, it's too high. That sign is just too high up on your building. We can't have that here. Oh, we can't have a pair of scissors. We can't have a picture of a pair of scissors on the sign. That's against code. Oh, well, well, yeah, we, yeah, we can't have a sandwich board out in front of your sign or flags or the, uh, the little sail flappers. We can't have those. Yeah. Oh, we can't have those kind of lights in the window. It's it's totally nuts. And you have these type of people that are going out and creating these laws. Oh, well, you know, that person has a right to live somewhere on the earth. So they can live there or you can provide them an apartment. So here's what the county of Sutter did. They spent like $1,000 a month. <clears throat> multiple times putting people in apartments. Do you remember when they did that? I don't know whether they're still doing that. 
of taxpayer money. Unbelievable. And then, then I love it when I say, no, no, we didn't pay taxpayer money. We got a grant. Oh, I said, what was his first name? Freddie Grant? Or was that Susie Grant? Billy Grant? Well, you know, a grant, a grant from like the Social Services Department of the State of California. I said, oh, where did they get that money? And then you just get this blank stare because most government people don't think that deep. It's kind of their shallow thinkers. They thought it came from Mr. and Mrs. Grant. Well, it really wasn't our money. You know something, people? Somebody needs to take an economics 101 course because all the money started in your pocket and my pocket. Then it went to the state or Washington. Then they give us a little bit if they want to. If you beg for it and plead and dot every I and cross every T perfectly. Otherwise, they will fine you and expose you in the newspaper. So the San Francisco poop problem is worsening. A, a group called Rent Hop found they checked into some public data from the city's website where people can complain. And the city has received more than 25,000 complaints about fecal matter between January and November of this year. 25,000. That's a lot of pooping going on, girls. Man, that's some serious pooping down in San Francisco. The place where my friends, they didn't think they could get good health care up here, so they drove all the way to San Francisco to see the very best. And they had to step across the poop, I'm sure, somewhere to get it. Now, it isn't everywhere. So, Kron, K-R-O-N TV said it's a serious health problem. I think, oh, these guys are brilliant. So, according to Rent Hop, the city's, they call, they have a, you know, like 911. They have a 311. We have it here, I think, in Yuba City. I don't know whether they have it in Marysville yet. But 311, if you dial it, you can you can make a report uh, about a city problem, any kind of city problem. Not a 911 problem, but a city problem. So the 311 reporting system for human and animal waste complaints received 28,315 complaints about feces and fecifornia in 2018, up 35% from 2017. Incredible. Only in America would we, would we uh, get to the place where we couldn't manage a city, but we could count the, the piles of poop and put them on an app for everyone to see so you could say, nope. We don't want to walk down Sampson Street or Gary because there's too many piles of poop and little Johnny is going to step in it and then we're going to have a big old mess on our hands. The Tenderloin fielded the most waste calls at over 3,000 last year. Oh, it's just unbelievable. For comparison, New York City, they're just not pooping as much back in New York City. Maybe when the weather gets really bad, you're just too froze up to poop. What do you think? San Francisco, most San Francisco people can just poop anytime. But back in New York, they too, it gets so cold back there. Oh, my God. They probably, the poop is frozen inside of them. The met metropolis was nearly, has, uh, with nearly 10 times Sac San Francisco's population, had only 714 feces complaints in the whole, in the whole night, 2019. Unbelievable. Check this out. In this 311 to 311 thing, the most common calls 
516,000 since 2007 are for the removal of bulky items, like stuff just left on the street. That's kind of what Jeff Stevens with this Love Ubisutter, whatever they call it, they go and pick up like boats and trailers and lazy boys and cabinets and old big old TVs like I have in my house, like 1950s style, and just all funky stuff, right? Kitchen stoves, they just pick it up and haul it to the dump. They dump it out. People around here, they have no culture. They just dump stuff. They won't use the regular dump. They just dump it on somebody else's property and then let them dump it. So that's 516,000 calls since 2007, 11 or so years, bulky items. Then general cleaning is the second most, 464,000. That's what we're paying our taxes for, right? To haul stuff off that other people should have hauled off and then clean up after somebody. It's like, it's like having a city all on diapers. That's what it's like. Like, hey, we need to potty train this city. That's right. 464,000. The third uh, most reported was homeless encampments. They had 197,000 complaints. In fact, I saw a gal go off on Facebook. She has a, a business, I think a hair business, downtown Sacramento. She's had it for years, built it herself, just worked her butt off, and she just said, I'm out of here. And she went off on Gavin Newsom. She said, I'm out of here. I'm not I'm not cleaning up poop. I'm not trying to force people out of my doorway anymore. I'm done. People are too intimidated to come into my business, just like right across the street from me. I can't even go to Panda Express, get me some orange chicken without somebody like hitting me up. Two or three guys hitting me up. And guys I know. I knew them from Juvenile Hall. And now they're like, got another 10 years on them. They're out there hustling. I said, what are you doing out here, dude? Get yourself a job. Be slapping your face. I'm going to get me some orange chicken. Oh, general request for service, 157000 I mean, talking you, you talk about tax dollars going down the tube. You know, when people won't take care of their own business, it gets expensive. Whoa. City Lab, 2018 City Lab observed that not only does San Francisco have a large per capita homeless population, too few public bathrooms, but an unusual number of San Francisco's homeless residents go unsheltered. Didn't surprise me one bit because they're they're uh, they're attracting them down there. Hey, did you see this Trump? Uh, talk where you know when he does a news uh, conference and he talked about free market health care did that go over your head or did you was that boring to you the health care industry is complex right the whole third party pays you go down to the doctor you know that you don't have you ever asked the doctor how much it, it costs think about that I mean, I'm always asking about how much everything costs. Go get a set of tires. How much are they, right? Go take my my uh, my toaster in on wheels, my Honda Element. I take it into Honda. I said, and they say, Lou, it's, it needs this, this, and this. I said, okay, okay, okay. How much is that, right? When I get an air ticket, I, I'm looking for the best price. I said, how much is that? What's the layover time? Da, 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 da. But when we go in and get health care, a lot of... Do you remember the last time you asked how much is that? 
it's interesting. We've been we've been uh, trained because of the system to just get health care. You just go in and order it, right? Order it, right? And uh, have you ever gone to a, a place where uh, you uh, it's a free it's a dinner that that you don't have to pay for, and there's lots of food, and you just put more on your plate than you can eat. Hold that thought. You put more on your plate than you can eat. And um, so what happens in the healthcare industry when you have a third-party payer is that doctors order tests sometimes that really, if you weren't willing to pay for it, they probably wouldn't fuss with it because they said, oh, I probably don't need that test, right? Probably get by without it. But because of the insurance liability and somebody else is paying for it, they just order up all that stuff, Right. So Trump is is trying to pull the covers back off the secrecy. There's a big secrecy about why people charge what they do and where people are getting paid for all this medical care. And so your insurance company's paying some and you're paying a little, but the government's picking up a big old tab. They're they're paying through the back door and we're getting screwed by the insurance companies. And so Trump is wanting everything to come out in the open. And all oh, people, they want to shoot him. They want to poison him. They want to do this. They want to do that because, oh, oh, oh. It's like, hey, I want to know how much is that surgery? How much is that knee going to cost me in the window, right? How much is that surgery going to cost me, right? And all that kind of stuff. How how, how much is how much of those drugs, right? I've been I've been asking how much at the pharmacy, how much is those drugs for a long time because I haven't had any insurance covered drugs. Because I'm really not on that much, but I buy mine overseas. If I need anything regular, or my friends want stuff that they use all the time, like antibiotics, I just buy them overseas. Honestly, it's like, you know, it's kind of like the price of some drugs overseas is like a pack of chewing gum. And that same pack of chewing gum, it'd be a hundred dollars here, twenty-five dollars overseas. It's like a dollar, two dollars. It's amazing. It's totally amazing. I just think I, I go to the pharmacy over there and I just think, I wish you I wish I could bring this pharmacy into my neighborhood. I just hang out over here like all kinds of people with smart people, smart Vietnamese pharmacists. They are smart. And they said, Lou, this is what will fix you. Do this. Do that. Put that on this. I had an eye infection over there. I got it. I get I think I got an eye infection from the I get it every once in a while from the impure water over there or something in the showers. So I go down there. I said, see my eye? It's all, it's all got some film over it or something. I can't see you very good. They look at it. They said, use some of this right here. Like $3. Squirt it in there. It's antibiotic stuff. Cleans it right up. Over here, I'd have to go to the doctor. They'd say, no, we can't prescribe that for you. Got to go to the doctor. That'd be like $75, right? $80. And then I'd go over there, have to stand in line, stand in line. Oh, he didn't call it in. It didn't call it in yet. Da, 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 da. Oh, he sent it to the wrong pharmacy. Blah, blah, blah. I got days in it, and pretty soon it'd be twenty five dollars for that little that little little teeny vial squirting my eye, right? Vietnam, I just walk in there, talk to the pharmacist, boom, I'm out of there in five minutes. Five dollars, five minutes. Fixed. We are screwed up over here, folks. I'm gonna take a break. We're gonna go to our fifth segment. Let's see. One, two, three, four. Okay, here we go. Check this out. Justin Haskins exposes Kamala Harris lies on Tucker Carlson show. Check this out. You'll have some fun with this one. 
I like them. I, I wouldn't have put them in here if I didn't like it. So I'm, I'm filtering lots of stuff before it ever gets to your ears. Check it out. It's been a while, baby, since I rubbed your caramel skin. What I want to know right now is can I rub you in cocoa butter? Again and again, I want to ask you later, will you take a bubble bath with me? Because you're... Kamala Harris says that if she's elected president, speaking of absurdity, she'll put more than 200 million people onto a single-payer health care system. She says she can pay the whole cost, more than $30 trillion, without raising taxes on the middle class. And all of this done without a middle-class tax hike? Without a middle-class tax hike? Yes. yes. $30 trillion over 10 years. There are ways to pay for it, also understanding the investment that we are going to be making in a way that is going to reap great benefits in terms of other costs. When people question that there is no formula for this, that you are going to find money in magical ways is not realistic thinking. How do you respond to that? The status quo is not enough. $30 trillion without taxing the middle class. Is that possible? Justin Haskins is editorial director and research fellow at the Heartland Institute, and he joins us tonight. Justin, thanks a lot for coming on. So this sounds like magic, but I, I'm keeping an open mind. You're a math guy. Is it possible to do what Kamala Harris says she's going to do? Even by Kamala Harris's standards, this is wildly delusional. There is absolutely no way, absolutely no way that you can pay for single-payer health care uh, by, but without taxing middle-class people. We have analysis that's coming out next week, probably on Monday, that shows that not only do you have to double taxes for everybody, double taxes, but that tens of millions of middle-class people are going to end up paying more in taxes than they're going to receive in any sort of health care benefits that they might receive from the federal government. This is a terrible deal for Americans. Terrible. And that's why Kamala Harris is out there selling this lie that you can pay $32 trillion or, or, or more, it's probably going to be closer to $38 trillion, um, that you can pay this massive amount of money without raising taxes on the middle class. It's absolutely not true. Has she, I mean, it doesn't seem like it could be true, um, but has she proposed another way to do it? Some magic way? Yeah, yeah she... <laughs> what is it? Right. What, what she's saying is what, all, what everyone on the left is saying. All you have to do is tax Wall Street as if there's this magical amount of fictional money that Wall Street has just sitting around. Here's the truth. You could take every penny from every billionaire in the entire world and you wouldn't even pay for close to half of the cost of single-payer health care in just the first 10 years. Not even close. That's every billionaire in the whole world. Never mind America. It wouldn't even pay for 10% in America if you take every penny from the richest people in America. So there's no, there's no way you can pay for this by taxing Wall Street or taxing the wealthy or any of the other things that the left is always telling us. You have to tax right. the middle class and even lower income people too. So speaking of economics, I have to ask you about Bernie Sanders. So. He's pushing a $15 an hour minimum wage. His staff did the math and discovered they're not making $15 an hour. They complained about it. It went public. Bernie at that point said, you're not allowed to complain in public somehow. You can't <laughs> criticize Bernie Sanders in public. So he's under a lot of pressure to do this. 
in response to their demands, he's cutting their hours. Am I missing something, or is that basically exactly the behavior that he criticizes for a living? Yeah, this is great. Here you have, this is the best story of the year. Here you have a socialist presidential candidate running around telling people that if you don't pay $15 an hour, you're exploiting people, exploiting them. And then while he's saying this, all of his, a bunch of his workers, his lowest paid workers, are saying privately, hey, we're being exploited. We deserve more money. And then in reaction to that, he says, well, OK, maybe we'll give you more money, but only if you're willing to cut your health care benefits. You have to pay more, contribute more for your health care. But wait a minute. I thought health care was a human right. So here you have Bernie Sanders exploiting his workers, exploiting his own workers, and then denying them a basic human right. This is great. And so after this reaches the media, what happens next? He decides, well, we're just going to cut hours. We're not going to make you work 60 hours a week anymore. This is crazy. He really should be managing a Walmart. I, you know, probably when this is over, they'll hire him. He's, he's clearly good. He's, he, he's tough. He's a heartless man. That Bernie Sanders. Justin, great to see you. We're in our fifth segment here. I want to talk to you. I just want to give an example of this ridiculousness that the, that the Trump administration is trying to solve. They're trying to solve the drug thing, which I just brought up, that you can buy drugs very cheap in any other country but this one. I bought uh, antibiotics over the, just over the counter from pharmacists in Philippines and Vietnam. They're very trained, highly trained people. They're very sharp and... Uh, I've also gone to the doctors over there as well, trying to figure out what was wrong with me if I had a little sickness. But uh, but I want to talk for a second about surgeries, right? And when you have a procedure done on you. So this guy says, a friend of mine recently had back surgery at an academic institution, nonprofit, regular hospital. Very good one and a very good reputation. The surgery for his back, the, the list price went not ahead of time, but afterwards, the list price on the billing was one hundred and one thousand six hundred and seventy three dollars and seventy seven cents. These guys, these guys got some bean counters over there. Uh, so. But. Uh, you know how much that's the list price, but do you know how much the insurance company agreed to pay for this surgery? Thirteen thousand dollars. And that's how much the hospital got from the insurance company. $13,000 for this back surgery that the list price was $101,673.77. So, um, and then this guy said he looked at it. There's a surge. There's some hospitals around the United States. In fact, I was going to go have a surgery in uh, Bangkok, Thailand, because I didn't have any, I didn't, I had a rotator cuff problem and I didn't have any insurance. So I, I, uh, I went on the website because I knew this was a great uh, hospital from my friends who are missionaries, and they'd use that hospital. It said, they said, Lou, it's a five-star hospital. People are flying in from all over the world to have surgeries there. So I went on there, and you can act, they have their prices listed on a rotator cuff. You can look, and, and they'll tell you exactly what the charge is because they know you're paying, probably paying cash coming in there, right? 
And so they would list them right out there. And uh, in fact, when I went and got an MRI in, in Vietnam on the, my shoulder before I came back here and got surgery, uh, because I the, the uh, MRIs here were 1000 to $1,500, I, they charged me $130. And, uh, and I asked them how much it was going to cost me ahead of time, and they actually charged me less because they didn't have to do as much when I got there from the time I got a quote over the phone. So, uh, but, but there are a couple hospitals or a few hospitals in the United States now that if you look at the human body and you run your cursor over it and you, over parts of the body, it'll tell you how much it's going to cost to fix that part right there, right on the screen of the uh, deal. They're publishing the prices. Uh, it, you know, it's kind of like if you went into a, um, a restaurant and you saw these great photos of the food and a description of the food, but they didn't have any price there. Right. And then you ate and then they just sent you a bill at the end. Right. And then you're like, gee, I can't afford that. Oh, don't worry about it. We're billing your insurance company. If we had insurance for food, right. We're just going to bill your insurance company. Well, what happens between the difference? I always wondered this. What happens between the difference between 101, 673.77 and 13,000? Because actually you could get a better deal than that. One other hospital said they'd do it for 10, his back surgery. So what this writer says, what this uh, bright person says, is that the hospital then turns around and tells the federal government that, that they didn't get paid for the rest of that hundred and one thousand dollars in other words eighty seven thousand just in round figures uh was unreimbursed uh services and so then the federal government steps in and and compensates them for that so let me say it so the guy says so a hundred hundred thousand dollar bill the hospital collects thirteen thousand from this insurance company and then they claim to the federal government that that was a loss to them of 87000 because they arbitrarily set a $100,000 figure on it. The 87000 loss maintains the fiction of this not-for-loss, not-for-profit status, but it also provides a basis for a kickback the federal government sends to the hospital in the form of what's called a dis disproportionate share hospital payment. So when you hear something like a term like uncompensated care— like in your the vision in your mind is somebody gets cared for but doesn't get paid. The hospital didn't get paid. That would be on this gentleman's $87,000 that was written off on the difference between the hospital insurance and what the insurance paid, on the hospital bill and what the insurance paid. The fact is the hospital made money on the on the case. They claimed they lost 87, but they really got that money or a lot of that money back from the federal government. What Trump's trying to do is is stop that system. And there's a lot of people don't want to stop that system because they become used to it and the insurance companies are cutting a fat hog. So in, in uh, the, the Trump administration, uh, they have released what they call transparency rules in hospital pricing. It will compare hospitals in 2021 to publicize the rates they negotiate with individual insurers for all services, including the drugs, the supplies, the facility fees, the care by doctors who work for the facility, etc. Administration proposed extending the disclosure requirement to the $670 billion health insurance industry. These people don't like that because competition, what's competition do? It makes you sharpen your pencil. It makes you become better. 
It makes you become faster. It makes you become uh, kinder to people, right? Kinder to people. And winsome because you want the customers, right? I remember when I went over, I, 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 I've had work done at all the hospitals, uh, at the uh, Adventist Hospital. We all called it right out in the past. But I had this uh, surgery done on my rotator cuff, which I got the MRI done in, in Vietnam. And uh, the surgeon told me, he said, hey, I have privileges. You can't just go do surgeries anywhere. you got to have privileges to do there. Surgeons do. So he said, I have surgeons that write out Adventist now. And he, have, and he said, I'm, I'm a part owner of this Sutter Hospital. And so he said, I want to declare that to you. So I'm not trying to persuade you or bias you into where I have money invested. And, uh, but he said, that's a new hospital and they do elective surgeries, et cetera. So he said, but I'm, but it's a private hospital, right? In other words, it's, it's not a nonprofit in that sense. So anyway, I, I went over to the, uh, I said, yeah, Sutter Hospital is good for me, doc. You know, it's like, if it helps you, you help me, I help you. Right. That's how I feel in life. I, I like to do business with people that do business. Right. I don't have to do. I don't expect you not to make any money. My dad was a, a business owner for my entire life. I, I never knew him ever working for anybody else unless his business burnt down or flooded out, which happened both times. And he temporarily worked for someone else so he could pay the bills. So I get it. People I don't I don't mind people making money. All I worry about is how much is it going to cost me? Right. I want you to be able to take care of your family, right? And uh, sometimes when people I feel are undercharging me, I pay them more because I said, hey, you got little kids. I don't. I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm rich. So you got little kids. You're trying to put your kid through school. He's having a health problem. I got you. I'll pay you extra, right? And so uh, that's what the free market system does. When you have the government getting involved and no one knows what, it, what it's costing anybody, uh, and then you get jerked around. Uh, it doesn't mean the doctors aren't good or nurses can't be good. They can be. The nurses I had at, at Sutter Hospital and all the nurses, the, the treatment I've had to all the hospitals, including the where I got my knee done here a while back at, in St. Helena. Incredible people, just really wonderful people. I'm talking about a system now, an economic system that is convoluted and screwed up. Can you imagine... If all the doctors knew that uh, you were going to pay your bill when you came in and you're either going to pay them with cash, credit card, something like that, or you were going to give them some sort of voucher where uh, they weren't going to negotiate with the with the uh, insurance company, like jack the price really up and go through like a card dickering deal, but they were... In other words, the prices that were going to be published, they'd already know what it was going to cost to treat you for your sinusitis. And, uh, and the insurance companies were going to say, yeah, we're good with that. We're good with that. And, and they would just be a straight-up deal. In other words, uh, just like I have car insurance, right, to cover certain things, and I don't, I don't pay a high amount for car insurance because uh, if I get in a wreck, I'm just going to fix it myself, Right. And so I get the illegal alien car insurance. That's almost it almost covers nothing. So it's really cheap, which is I like. And then I just put the cash aside and I'll take I'll take care of my own. I self I call it self insure. So what we need anytime there's a lack of transparency, that's when things the costs get really out of control. 
So I'm going to leave that the way where it is. But but what I like about President Trump's group, it's a whole group of people back there, economists, uh, doctors, insurance people. They're all working on uh, on solving this crazy where I just saw a headline, an article, I think on a Drudge Report where it said middle class families are going broke paying for health health care. It's just crazy. There's no the, the only reason is there's no there's no transparency in competition. That's why when I uh, when I I would I didn't have any insurance and I wasn't uh, Social Security age where I had Medicare, and the the surgeon said, "Hey Lou, I need a I need a uh, an MRI," and he said, "Here's the prescription for it," and he said, "Just go shop around town and see where you can get the best deal." And I I thought, oh, I'm going to Vietnam. I'm just gonna I'll take it with me. And so, obviously, the no American MRI people could compare with what they got going over there. So I did that. And so a lot of people, I don't know whether you know this, but there's a, a medical tourism going on right now all over the world. And people are flying to places uh, like a friend of mine got his eyes lasered. And uh, I believe he got it at the hospital I'm talking about in Thailand on a way to a missions trip in Cambodia. He just laid over a day or two in in uh, Bangkok, Thailand, and had his eyes done. And uh, he always wore glasses, and now he ain't wearing them no mo. So I've had a number of friends do that, and uh, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. Some are going all the way to India. Um, Thailand's another spot. Somebody told me the other day, and I don't know how how cheap this would be. But they had something done in Germany, and they just said it was unbelievably good. But uh, what I'm interested in is competitive pricing. And when I checked with this hospital, I was doing some research about rotator cuff surgeries. They did everything in this hospital, and and you could pull it up, and you could, and they had all their doctors online. You could see all their histories, all their credentials, uh, all their awards, how many surgeries they had done. Uh, the website was unbelievable, and you could send, you could have a conversation with them about your problem, and then they told you how how you would enter their medical system over there and start. They'd fly over, do the pre-op, the check over, the pre-op. Da da. They had all kinds of hotels posted around the hospital where you could stay for a few days of recovery, ten days recovery, whatever. They could watch you. But you could stay in a hotel instead of staying in the hospital. It was just unbelievable. And we're just not there in America yet. We're just not there. And it takes a businessman like Trump and a lot of economists and people that understand medicine. And and really, a lot of us can. I don't think a lot of us can even explain what the health insurance industry, how it works. It's so goofy. It is. That's why. Remember when Obamacare came in? And they couldn't even get a computer computer site to run right. I mean, remember Obama would there'd be shots of Obama or the uh, Health and Human Services. I think her name was Sibelius, and she, they'd go on and try to enroll in this uh, Obamacare, and it would break down. They couldn't even enroll. It was such a fiasco. It the whole thing is convoluted. Anytime you give the government the stewardship over something, why don't you give the government stewardship over, say, delivering all our food? Producing, delivering food. The, the United States would go into a famine. We would starve in the United States if the government took over food production and distribution. The, the, we would starve. I, I don't know. I just don't understand. 
it's not like I'm predicting that or I've never seen that before. There's there's all kinds of examples of that in history. But when you don't teach kids this stuff, they end up thinking, oh, it, that has to be a lot better. And they they don't know anything about millions starving in China, millions starving in Vietnam, millions starving in Laos, millions starving in Cambodia, millions starving in Russia. You could just go down the line, down the line, Ukraine, Lithuania, Estonia, boom, 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 the Balkans. They all starve. They just, they just, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But you have to keep saying it in every generation because, and if you don't teach things in school, kids grow up thinking uh, stupid stuff. I was counseling some folks. They were having a family problem, and I hate counseling. But I got drawn into it because a friend of mine said, Lou, would you come and help our family? I couldn't turn her down because she's a really nice people. And I heard, and, and I was trying to sort out this problem. And all the relatives were in the room, like sisters and brother-in-laws. And, and they got to talking. They all given their opinion about this and opinion about that. And I finally had to stop the whole thing. I, I was getting short on patience. And I just said, you know something? In the area you're talking about, your opinion doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It's worthless. You can have an opinion, but we can pool all our stupidity and not get anywhere. You don't know what you're, in other words, you don't know what you're talking about. It's your opinion, but it doesn't have any impact on life except make you stupid. And I just said, your opinion is not, it's worthless in this situation. For instance, it was a, a it was a, a situation with the law being broken. And I said, your opinion of what the law is, it doesn't make it right or wrong. It's the law is the law. And it will be enforced according to law enforcement and the judicial process. Your opinion doesn't have any impact here. So save your breath. If you want to, like, get all gnarly with your relative, that's fine. But whether or not this is a crime or isn't or this or that or rules and all that, I, I said, I know what I'm talking about, and I'm telling you, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's just the way it is. So many people don't know anything about the healthcare system, so they get, their, they get in trouble in this thing. So, okay, here we go. We're, we only got, we're coming to the end of our fifth segment, and let me pick and choose here what I'm going to do. By the way, this, oh, I, I rode in a Tesla, uh, and um, I've been thinking about it ever since. I've, I've heard about the Tesla. In fact, a friend of mine just went to work for Tesla. And uh, so I've been reading all about Tesla and the founder and all that kind of stuff. So this girl said, I was having lunch with her the other day, and she said, oh, you want to see my Tesla? I said, I do. Check it. Let's check it out. And uh, so she, do you want to take a drive? I said, I'm just parked right over here, like 100 yards away. I'll walk. I need to walk. She said, no, 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 let me drive you. I want to show you something. So she drove me to my my fossil fuel power toaster, and she had a cool Tesla. It was a cheap version, she said. And um, honestly, she said, you know, one of the bad things about this thing, it doesn't make any sound. So a person, you could run over a person. They wouldn't even know you're coming. At least with a fossil fuel car, they can hear you before you kill them. But there's no like heads up 
on on an, these electric cars. It's not a hybrid. It's full-blown electric. So every once in a while, you've got to start, stop, and plug into somebody's plug somewhere, outlet, which I didn't like that. There's things I liked about it. Man, the thing had huge power. You could lay rubber in that thing. But, uh, and, and let's see, it. so being electric, all you had to do is pay for the electricity. But it was pretty expensive. She said it cost $50,000, that one. And then you got PG&E sent you money. All kinds of people send you money. The federal government, the state government send you all these tax credit stuff. So I don't know what it nets out to be. But it's cheap to drive because it's electric, right? And she said, it, I think she told me it's going to last a million miles. I can't imagine that. I think she got too many zeros in there. But I, I'm just going to say a million because I think that's what she told me. 100,000 wouldn't have been impressive. But the thing is, it was just quiet. It was very odd because I'm used to hearing, you know, and it was very quiet. So anyway, that was a that was an interesting thing. So uh, but the issue is, I w- what are you going to do with all these batteries? You know, we're always worrying about nuclear waste. What what when we have to take the uh, the things oh, I can't remember what they call them inside the nuclear reactor. When we have to take those things out, we have to stash them somewhere in the earth where they won't contaminate anything. Uh, I can't think of what they call those things. But anyway, the batteries in all these electric cars, the issue is where are you going to put these because they're really big-time toxic. Once the car is done, we wore that out, or the batteries wear out and you want to replace the batteries, what are we going to do with all these batteries? That's what I was wondering. Well, I, I've said all that to tell you, talk about fracking when we come back. So we're going to finish up our last segment in uh, – a couple of minutes, and uh, this is a cool segment. I'm going to play you about five minutes. How big government hurts women? Now you think, oh well, big government—they got us a lot of benefits, women. But check this out. This is a woman talking about women. Hold on. government, the better for women. Is that statement true or false? Well, if party affiliation is any indicator, most women under the age of 40 would say true. Young women, especially single women, are among the left's most loyal supporters. This isn't surprising, given that programs like government-subsidized childcare and government-mandated paid family leave sound like things that make life better for women. But do they really? Most European governments provide subsidies that allow women to stay home for months, even years, following the birth of a child. And some European countries require employers to offer female employees part-time and flexible work arrangements. So have European women benefited from these programs? The answer is no, unless you think lower wages, fewer jobs, and fewer management opportunities benefit women. Why is this the case? because these supposedly women-friendly government mandates change the way businesses evaluate female employees. It encourages companies to assume that women will not only cost them more, but that they'll be less productive than men. Spain is a good example. 
1999, that country passed a law giving women with young children the right to work reduced hours. But a study by economists at the IE Business School in Madrid and at Queens College of the City University of New York found that women paid a big price in lost opportunities. Companies were less likely to hire women of childbearing age, less likely to promote them, and more likely to dismiss them compared with men. When Chile tried similar policies, similar outcomes resulted. In the words of Maria Prada, an economist for the Inter-American Development Bank, the purpose of the law was to help women participate in the labor force and achieve more work-family balance, and it's doing the opposite. A study of 22 countries by two Cornell economists showed that in countries with the most extensive benefits for women, women are more likely to be in dead-end jobs and less likely to become managers or top executives. This is because once the government mandates additional benefits for women, employers place them on the mommy track, meaning they assume women will want to work fewer hours, whether that's true or not. This might explain why, in the United States where these benefits are not mandated, women account for more than 40% of senior managers, while in more progressive Europe, that number is a little over 30%. But big government doesn't throw obstacles only at women trying to get ahead. It throws obstacles at women struggling to get by. Here we don't have to go to Europe to find examples. There are plenty in the United States. Take the issue of occupational licenses, government regulations requiring a license to pursue particular professions. Sure, people operating dangerous and complex equipment should have to get special training, take tests, and be licensed. But why are occupational licenses required for hair shampooers and braiders? In some states, licenses are even required for interior designers and florists. Getting licenses can require hundreds of hours of schooling and entail major fees. That's not about protecting consumers or public safety. That's a source of revenue for city and state governments and a way for some politically powerful lobby groups to keep out competition. And since more women obtain occupational licenses than men, women are disproportionately hurt. So what's the solution? Less government, not more. Since 2017, a combination of tax cuts and deregulation, meaning less government, have been a boon for women. Women's weekly median earnings have gone up by almost 5%. The unemployment rate for women has fallen to 3.4%, a historic low. And more women are starting businesses than ever before. Between 2017 and 2018, women started almost 2,000 businesses a day. Right now, there are an estimated 12.3 million women-owned businesses, a 6% increase since 2016. And here's the topper. Since 2017, more and more businesses have voluntarily offered family benefits to employees. Why? Because the more companies have to compete for workers, the more benefits workers receive. That's how the free market works, and the opposite of how big government works. The free market, it turns out, does a much better job at creating opportunities for women than big government does. This not only means better jobs and better pay for women, but also the chance to craft the lives they actually want. After all, not every woman needs or values a generous childcare package. But when the government mandates benefits, they become, in effect, taxes that every woman and man has to pay. The bigger the government, the better for women? You might want to rethink that one. I'm Carrie Lucas, 
president of Independent Women's Forum for Prager University. So, uh, so in in the in the state of California, there's this uh, feeling that the the, the world's going to end in in ten or twelve years, and fossil fuels are fossil fuels are poisoning the world. Even though there's no evidence of this, it's it's is warming the world. There's no evidence of that. There's no evidence of any of this. The same way that we've been teaching kids. Since the time of Charles Darwin, that we came from an ape, but there's no evidence of it. Do you understand that? Darwin never, Darwin said if we can't produce the final evidence to link all this together, it's just an idea I had. It's just a thought. But we've been reproducing and telling people this thought is truth and forcing it down kids' throat to answer questions on tests in both the, the high school and the, and the college level for hundreds of years. Very sad. So now we're saying the same thing about all these different types of energy. I'm not saying that at some point we may come up with a car that runs really good without fossil fuel. I don't really care. I'm I'm not married to gasoline. I'm not I'm not making a nickel off oil wells. I I'm not I'm not biased. I'm just saying I don't think well, it's not I don't think scientists and economists said there's no way that if today you just said we're shutting off every gas station, we're shutting off every supply of coal and crude oil to uh, power plants, we're going straight solar and we're going straight bird blenders and we'll keep hydropower with us. The entire country would collapse. Or if you don't want to include the entire country, California would collapse. Industry would collapse. We could not keep the lights on in California. You want to see the impact? It screw the electric cars. You wouldn't. When the electricity goes down, that fifty thousand dollar Tesla, you better have a generator because that dude is not going to. You can't power up that Tesla, right? So they're all they're all against any kind of pulling oil out of the ground. And they're anti-God people because my feeling is God put that oil there. He knew that oil was going to be there. And he knew that people would come up with a way to make the combustion engine. A little spark, a little oxygen, and a little fire. Or a little uh, oxygen and uh, a little fire. And boom. We got power, right? So we have this entire, the entire industrial world is being powered primarily by fossil fuel. Oh, yeah, steam's doing a little bit, geothermal, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Let's see, there's one other one. Uh, There's one other, I'll think of the term in a minute. It's It's not nuclear, but 
I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. Anyway, they're against fracking. Now, here's the cool thing. This is research that just came out. And, uh, and so this article talks about fracking creating thousands of well-paying jobs. Now, that doesn't help. The, the liberals don't care about thousands of well-paying jobs. In fact, they think this is so desperate that we're gonna, the whole country's shutting down. The whole world's going to shut down. And so, hey, there's not going to be jobs anyway. So, uh, anyway, I'm trying to get down to this part that I want to read to you. So, this study comes out. The White House uh, Council of Economic Advisors, uh, they estimate increased oil and natural gas production from hydraulic fracking, fracturing, which is called fracking, saves Americans two. $203 billion annually on gasoline and electric bills. Is that amazing? This breaks down to $2,500 in savings per family per year. Now, when you talk about a president making policies, now they're not out creating jobs. They're just making policies that allow things to be more profitable for families. You remember the tax cut that was given and all people, all kinds and regulations cut and all people got bonuses and everything. Oh, you know something what I got to do right now? Let's see how far we are. I forgot all about this. I got to talking. I haven't done talked about any of my sponsors. And so I need to do that. And I'm going to have to stop right here because I need to be faithful to them. And I'll, I'll have time to come back and do the fracking. So first of all, I want to talk about uh, recalling Governor Newsom because it talks about Monty Hecker. And uh, so Monty out at uh, his operation on Feather River Boulevard is a, is collecting petitions. In fact, I'm going to drop some off tomorrow for, to him. And he's at 5548 Feather River Boulevard, and uh, he'll take all your petitions, and he'll, if you need to fill out a petition or you need to sign your name on a recall the governor petition, 5548 Feather River Boulevard. That's, and you can call him if you need to at 530-749-0280. Now, he's open every day because he's a security business, elite universal security. So they're open at that address. Now, if you are in another county and you're trying to figure out, well, I don't want to drive all the way over to Yuba County. I'm going to make it real simple for you. You just go to R-A-N-A-F, R-A-N-A-F dot org. And on that website, it tells you how to download a petition if you want to download a petition and print it off. Or it tells in your county where you can go get petitions and where you can sign up. So you can go there and uh, sign and just sign your name and you're done. Or you could register to vote and sign your name. So the important thing is go do it. Okay, we need to recall this governor. And we need to recall a lot of legislators, but most of them up here in our North State aren't so bad as the ones in the rest of the the the, uh, the California. So also, I was just talking to Monty earlier today, and I was saying, Monty, how's it going? He said, Lou, we've never been busier. He said, we just got a big another FEMA account. I guess that's where they are making sure of where people are living, you know, like in trailers or something, that they're safe. He said, so we're very, very busy. And so if you want a job, you might be able to get a job with Elite Universal Security. And you can go online and check it out at api-academy.com. 
api-academy.com. You can see their classes. They will train you. You could contact them through there, uh, or you could just call them up. And you think, well, I don't want to work in Yuba County. I'm up here in Butte County or Shasta County or I'm, I'm Sacramento County. They are operating down there, so they need people. He said, Lou, we're very, very busy. We've never been busy. We're going to have a big year this year. And so didn't that make you happy? Made me happy hearing about it. So uh, Elite Universal Security. You can also get your weapons permits. You can get trained on how to use a weapon. You, you can. They have range day. They have classroom training. So they have a variety of dates this month, November 10th, November 23rd, November 24th all dealing with guns and uh, you can also there's a taser class and pepper spray class they're offering on december 7th so listen there's great opportunities but go by please 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 and maybe you don't need a job or maybe you don't even need some security but um, please sign the petition out there at uh, or somewhere ranaf.org you can find places all up and down the state that you can sign Friends call, friends call you, oh, I don't, have any, I don't know where to sign. R-A-N-A-F dot org. Okay. I also want to mention uh, one of my cl- very close friends, and I talked about him earlier, and that is uh, Dave Greenitz. And he's got Greenitz Construction. And, uh, in fact, he just did a job for uh, Monty Hecker at Elite Universal Security. He put a new deck on his house. And I asked, I asked Monty to, in fact, Monty told me today, Dave uh, Greenitz from, uh, he had him come over and do a deck. I said, are you happy? He said, oh, Lou, they did a great job. It was a beautiful deck. And uh, so he's a happy camper. So uh, Dave Greenitz, you can check him out at greenitzconstruction.com. That's green with E-T-Z on the end, construction.com. Very simple. You think, oh, I'm just nosing around. First of all, let me just say you're not going to find a better contractor in the area to do a really super-duper job. And don't don't take my word for it. You might think, well, you don't have as good a taste as I do. I probably don't. Uh, so judge for yourself. Go to Greenest Construction. Look on the, the website. And they, they didn't, like, uh, steal pictures off some internet site or photo site or photoshop something these are actual photos of jobs they've done before and after and you can also look at his uh, facebook site at dave greenitz construction at facebook and he'll show even the floor plans and what the the original was then what they changed it to to update it from say the 1950s or 60s up to the 2019s and uh because all the you know the stuff all the products are new the flooring types are new. The you know everything's new today and really cool. So they know all the newest stuff. They're working with the best designers. They'll work with your designer. They have really great subs. So you can email Dave Green. It's off that. And when you email, you're actually talking with the boss. You're communicating with the boss. And when you get him on the phone, that's Dave Greenitz. You're not getting some other person who then talks to another person who then talks to him, and you're paying for all of them. Talking to Dave Greenitz. So call him up at 682-9602-530-682-9602. Or if you're a millennial and you can't talk to people, you're nervous and you get all stammering and stuff, you can just go and email right off his sites and you could ask him questions and you could begin warming up to him by uh by just asking questions and getting answers and he'll refer you to photos etc etc and get you started okay the last person i want to mention and these guys all support and help this uh help us stay on the air here 
uh, is the plumbing doctor and Ted Holmes and uh, 530-671-9111. So when there was a downturn in the economy and jobs were stopping all over, new construction was stopping, one of the things that continued on, people had to maintain their homes, right? And when your electricity gets screwed up and your lights won't work or that burns burns a wall down because there's something screwy inside the wall, or when the plumbing gets the sewage is running out underneath the house, you can't avoid it. You just have to bite your lip and pay the money, right, and fix it. Or you can't get water into the house for some reason or the water heater doesn't work and you can't do cold showers for your babies in the middle of December in California. Even in Northern California, it's too darn cold. So these guys can fix you up, 6719111. They can, they'll talk to you night or day and, and get, you, uh, get you straightened out. I also uh, wanted to, let's see, there's a couple things I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to mention, which I've skipped over this, you really need, if you don't have an understanding of the Constitution, I don't care what age you are, you may have forgotten. Maybe when you went to school, they didn't think it was important, they didn't teach you, but you can get some free education on the Constitution by going to Hillsdale edu.edu, Hillsdale, D-A-L-E, E-D-U, or Chris Ann Hall, Chris, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E, Hall, all one word, dot com, or the AmericanView.com. Uh, we play clips from the American View. In fact, you heard one today, I think. Or Institute on the Constitution, which is the same people as Amer- the American View, Institute on the Constitution.com. So uh, those are, I wanted to make sure I got those because I haven't talked about the Constitution for a while. And uh, I want to make sure you got those. Okay, so we were talking about fracking. And let me see if I can find it. I'm I'm almost there. And uh, what they found in their research is from allowing fracking, because it's been such an innovative amazing discovery you remember when uh over the years it it hasn't been just barack obama but leaders before him uh jimmy carter other leaders they saw the the united states expanding the sale of motor vehicles expanding industry expanding they thought they'd talk to the oil industry and they think are we going to be able to keep up with this and some people thought no we're not we don't you know, some people came to the conclusion, just like they do today, we're not we're running out of oil. So it wasn't long before Obama was president. He said, we're going to run out of oil. So there's no we don't have any choice. We got to go green. But about that time, uh, fracking existed when he came in as president, but it uh, he wasn't very aware of it or he didn't want the general public to be aware of it. Can't really make quanti- qualitative uh, analysis on his motives. Uh, but, uh, but the fact is that the fracking industry opened up, uh, ways to, to withdraw oil and natural gas that we knew was down there, but we couldn't get to it. And there was so much of it there that it blew everybody's mind. And it actually, uh, is, is way more than anybody hoped for. And it, and this one thing said 80% of the $2,500 annual household savings comes from the reduction in price of natural gas, which has helped lower electricity costs by 45% since 2007. 
The other 20% of savings comes from lower costs for gasoline and heating fuels. Now, you might think, well, man, if you're California, you're thinking, I didn't get no reduction. And the reason you didn't is the reason we're trying to recall Gavin Newsom and change the uh, composition of the legislature. Because all we would have to do is say, we are now going to, we're going to extract uh, the oil. We're going to extract more oil. We're going to allow more extraction of oil in a variety of ways, drilling and fracking from the state of California. And we're going to allow more refineries to be built. And um, all of a sudden, uh, there would be money. And, and what ha- would happen is the when there's a greater supply, the price goes down. Supply and demand. You ever heard that? When something, when you run short of something, the price goes up. When you have an abundance of it, they drop the price. You go to the grocery store and avocados are 50 cents a piece. You know they got more than they can handle because that's cheap for avocados, right? And maybe they got a bunch and they're getting ripe too fast, so they need to move them. So they drop the price. So when they start extracting a lot of natural gas because it's all there and now they can get it out, they drop the price. And you have more refineries in California. You don't have to import gas here. Drop the price. But what we do have is we have politicians in this state that are artificially forcing the price to be very, very, very high. Same thing they're doing in Venezuela, through, but they're doing there through incompetence. Right now, it's incompetent what, what's going on in California, but there's so much money in the state right now that people are just paying more and more for it. And the people that don't want to pay for it are moving to Idaho. They're moving to Nevada. They're moving to Washington. They're moving to Texas. In fact, I saw a, a, a gas station in Texas that had gas right now. We're paying right at four, $4 for the cheap gas. It was uh, under $2. I want you to just think about that. That's probably a cash price, either that or a debit card price. But it was under $2 in, in a place in Texas. And that's how screwed up. This is all artificially done. It has nothing to do with, well, it's just more expensive here. It isn't. They've artificially created the cost. It's the same way that Stephen Chu, who was Department of Energy uh, with with, uh, Obama, he said, our goal is to raise the price of gasoline to $9 a gallon to force you to go buy Teslas and these other and Leafs and, and all the Volts and all these other cars. How how would you think they're going to go about raising the price of gasoline to nine dollars? It isn't supply and demand because we're loaded with we're, we've got so much oil we're selling it to other countries for the first time in many 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 years many decades since Jimmy Carter forbid it since the nineteen seventies we're now selling oil and gas to other countries because they were fearful that they were going to run out and they needed to take care of Americans right. And so this is all an artificial crisis that's been created by the legislature right down there in Sacramento. And when you when you feel if you complain, don't complain to the gas station attendant or even to PG&E. I got a lot of sympathy for PG&E, even though I don't I don't like a lot of things PG&E have done. But I don't agree with the state uh, forcing them to change how they run their company. If if the state wants to run a competitive company and have all green energy and charge a lot more for it, let them see how many consumers want to switch over for the sake of their policy or their philosophy or their ideology. I'm a greenie. I'm an Earth Day guru. So therefore, I'm going to uh, 
I'm going to pay $20 more uh, for a kilowatt or $5 more for a kilowatt or $2 more for a kilowatt. I'll do that just to save the planet and then let the rest of us hook up to PG&E that all runs off fossil fuel and hydrofuel, hydro, uh, hydroelectric, fossil fuel, and let us have the cheap energy and natural gas energy at what we want to pay and let us pay and just like free market if one person wants to buy a hummer and the other person wants to buy a humbug whatever let them let them all have what they want let them have it so right now is the what they're saying is elsewhere in the united states this is not benefiting the california Elsewhere in the United States, they are say they have saved the consumer hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, he, so the report here's here's what the report concludes: lower energy prices are like a progressive tax. You know what a progressive tax is? That means that some people that make a little money don't pay hardly any tax, and the people that make a lot of money they pay a lot of tax. Right? That's progressive. That they call progressive. So what they're saying is lower energy prices are like a progressive tax cut that helps the poorest households the most. So rich people, very, very rich people, they don't really care what the energy costs, right? It's not that big of a, of a chunk of their budget. But energy costs are a big part, or fuel prices, gas prices, are a huge part of a poor person's budget. Do you get that? So that's called a progressive tax cut. The variation in savings stems heavily from differences in spending on electricity. Uh, the bottom 20% of households account for 8.6% of the expenditures in general, but 14.1% of the electrical expenditures. You see that? See how much money? That's a bigger part of the budget that, that poor people are, uh, have to pay out of, of their money for uh, energy which is a bummer, right? So when prices are cheap, uh, that's really good for people trying to get back on their feet, right? So when people try to, when the liberals and, quote, environmentalists and Moscow uh, lobbying money, hundreds of millions of dollars comes in here and blocks pipelines and blocks legislation that would allow more fracking or allow more... Uh, uh, oil drilling, uh, that's a bummer. And and the, the people that lose are, are just the small people. Now, there's all kinds of articles on the health, on the, uh, the safety of fracking. But, but listen, this program is not here to convince any of the far left because their, their ears, are, their eyes are closed, their ears are plugged. So here's, I'm just going to read some titles to you. Check this out. Here's one title, Debunking Four Persistent Myths About Hydraulic Fracking, Fracturing. Another one, the, the Local Economic and Welfare Consequences of Hydraulic Fracking, Fracturing. Another one, Local Physical Effects of a Drilling Downturn, Local Government Impacts of Decreased Oil and Gas Activity in the Five U.S. Shale Regions. Shale is oil, uh, oil, oil areas, shale. Um uh, Impacts of natural gas and oil industry on the U.S. economy in 2015. These are all great articles on the the wonderful financial impacts because they're the oil industry's abundance in all states, but California is having a real big blessing and, and good fortune for them. 
Another article, U.S. leads the world in clean air, the case for environmental optimism. It's talking about how hydraulic fracking is a real clean way to bring uh, these products out of the ground. Another article, what if hydraulic fracturing is banned? What if American's energy renaissance never happened? What would it be like? This report, I'll just touch on it, says the report's authors found that without fracking-related energy renaissance, 4.3 million jobs in the United States may not have been created, and $548 billion in annual GDP, gross domestic product, would have been lost since 2009. The report also found electricity prices would be 31% higher. Gasoline, 43% higher. Come on, people, pay attention to this. We're already paying 60% higher for our utility rates in California just because they believe that the the world is ending. Isn't it crazy? It's just the social benefits of fossil fuels. These are all articles. And if you want to look these up, if you just look up, for instance, heartlandorganization.org. I mean, sorry, heartland.org. Heartland, H-E-A-R-T, just like the heart, land. Heartland.org, there's all kinds of articles on fracking if you if you think, oh, my God, I don't know what to say when they people say, oh, we're poisoning the earth with fracking. Da-da-da-da. So anyway, um, that's that. So I think I covered a bunch of this stuff. I, I'm out of time. And so uh, I still didn't get to a couple of my favorite things. I just got two bogged down with details today so um this week pay attention god may bring somebody into your path and you may need to really reach out and connect with them they may be an angel and you don't even know it that's what the bible says so we'll be back lord willing one week from today and i hope you have a good week we're we'll so see glad you later. to see so many of you lovely people here tonight we would especially like to welcome all the representatives of illinois law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the palace hotel ballroom at this time we certainly hope you all enjoy the show and remember people that no matter who you are and what you do to live thrive and survive there's still some things that make us all the same you Sugar to kiss.